everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. With me again is John. Welcome to my home. <laughs> well, remember the podcast <laughs> listeners don't see this. This part will be cut out. You know this, but ah, crap. If, if, if you were watching the whole thing, uh, which isn't ever made available, so you can't, you'd see that John is uh, safely at home as am I. Uh, and we're doing this thing remote. So if the audio levels are a little weird, I do apologize. It's uh, not much we can really do about it. And John's quality is a little lesser because he's uh, on his phone cam through Discord. But it's working. It works. You know, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. And you get to wonder the entire time whether I'm wearing pants or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't wonder. I'm just going to safely assume you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, what first want to say... Uh, Sorry for not having an episode last week. Um, with everything going on, it just kind of crept up on me. And oddly enough, even though I have more free time now than I've had in a very long time, last week just felt really stressful getting a lot of stuff done. And I actually was working last Monday and Tuesday. I had um, We were doing an inventory at the store, and it was actually two really long, tedious, terrible days. Like, they were really, really boring and terrible um, because inventory sucks. It doesn't matter what your job is, inventory sucks. <laughs> And we did, we inventoried all of PS2, which is our biggest section. And we did Wii. Those are our two biggest sections. And and we did 360. So like, those are our three biggest sections. Um, not a lot, actually, not a lot wrong for, you know, not doing a full inventory for nine years. You would have thought there were a lot nice. more issues and, and it wasn't. So it actually went pretty smooth. But then obviously Tuesday, Evers said there was a new plan coming out. And the plan was as of Wednesday at 8 a.m. that all non-essentials are just closed. So... Um, and he said for 30 days, which is wild. So now I'm officially closed until April 25th, which is still 24 days from today, which is wild. So three and a half weeks, basically. Um, have you, have you considered at all doing like a delivery service? <laughs> well, yes. And I've actually had a lot of people ask me that. And it's, it's a little frustrating. Not that you're asking. It's frustrating because like, Yes, in a perfect world, that'd be great, right? Could still make some money on the side. People want stuff. I mean, I went to the store this morning, and I hadn't been there since Monday morning. There were like 40 missed phone calls. Damn. And and like just, and I was looking at the numbers for Monday, and it was like every five minutes there was a phone call for like an hour period from different people. Like what? And it was all just one guy. No, no, it was all different people. <laughs> That's wild. It was all different people. It was crazy. Um, And so... You know, like it sucks because I know people want to buy stuff right now. And I get messages on Facebook like probably every hour and the majority of them are just, do you have a switch? And a lot of them are people's first time messaging us. So it's weird because they like the page because you have to like the page to message us. So they like the page. Then they message us and ask if we have a switch. And I say, no, we don't. And then like they unlike the page. (laughs) Like it's so it's so (laughs) weird. It's so weird. Um, (laughs) Screw this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it makes like no sense to me. I don't know. I don't get it. So. That's fine. That's whatever. Um, but I have thought about it. The problem is, is that the whole point of all this is to avoid random encounters with people. So like, right. I, right. And I, and I know that not everybody can do that because there's people that are working essential jobs. You're one of them. There's a lot of people out there that work in industries that have to stay open. Grocery, GameStop. gas station, GameStop, clearly essential. Right. <laughs> um, so I get it. And, you know, that not everybody can do that. But I can I get to make that decision and I can say we're not an essential business. And so, yeah, curbside, like I'll be the first to tell you if, if I was living month to month in this business and I was scraping to, to get by, I would, and I had to do it to stay open. I probably would. 
you know, I'd probably be out there slinging it or I'd be selling a bunch of stuff on eBay. I'd be working at the store every day, you know? Um, but I've been saving for the last nine years for some sort of catastrophe to happen. So because, because you're of, a hypochondriac, well, just, just like <laughs> I, I'm a worrier, I guess by nature. Yeah. And so I, I know, I knew that I would sometime in my ownership of this business run into a rough patch, whether it was by my own doing or a freaking global pandemic. Like I would, I knew something would come where I needed money as a cushion. And so I've been building this massive pillow cushion for years. Like, I don't know if I told you this or not before, but so last summer I bought a new Jeep. I know you know that, but I bought a new Jeep last summer and I'd had my car before that for like 10 years. It was just, it was like, I need a new vehicle. Um, and I took money out of the business as a, as a, um, distribution of profits. Cause I'm the only owner. So when I want to take money out of the business, I distribute the profits of the business to myself. That was the first time I've done that ever. And I Damn. felt so guilty doing it. I felt terrible for honestly, John, I thought about, I had it all ready to go. And then I actually canceled the appointment that I had to like go test drive the Jeep I wanted. And I was like, no, I, I can't do it. I can't take the money out of the business. It was so, it was so stupid. And obviously now I'm fine with it. We're, we're fine. But you know, it was just one of those, like, that's just how I am. I'm very protective of the business's profits because I feel like the business is going to need them later. So I'm not just like siphoning all the money the business makes and putting it in my own pockets, basically. Oh, um, what a weirdo being so smart with it, your money. You know, isn't that funny, right? You know, like all these other businesses, all these, all these super mega corps, you know, they're not equipped to go a month without business, you know? Um, but anyway, so I thought about it and then I thought, well, one, I don't want to contact with people. I don't want to have contact with people. That's the big thing, right? Cause I don't know where any of those people have been. I don't know where their money's been. I don't know where the credit cards have been. And I don't want to touch that stuff. And then after every transaction, I have to wash my hands and sit there at the door. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I figured it all out and it was such a pain in the ass to make it work that I was like, I'd rather just not do it at all. And so I don't. This is what I was thinking. If you were going to do it would be basically do it almost like, uh, um, Uber eats. So like they pay via PayPal, you tack on like a $5 delivery fee mm. and then you throw their thing in a black bag and you tell them, yeah, like it's in the mailbox. Uh, we'll, we'll drop it. We'll drop it at your porch yeah. and, yeah. and you'll receive a message, uh, five seconds after well, I get back in my car. Yeah. And I started that thinking, sort of thing. and I started thinking about that a little bit. And then I thought to myself, you know what though, the majority of people aren't going to do that. Aren't going to pay by PayPal. Like, like I'd probably get one out of every 10 people that would ask me for something would actually go through with it and buy it. And then yeah. it's like, well, if one out of every 10 are going to do it and then I have to be available, like the only way it would work is if I set specific times, right? Like from noon to four every day, I'll be open. But then that's like, it's like noon to four that I have to be sitting or, you know what I mean? I don't know. I looked at it all and I thought <laughs> this is just like a waste of my time to, to, to go yeah. through it. Now I'm not saying that we won't move to something like that. If all of a sudden this turns into a 10, 12, 14 week thing, like then maybe we will, you know, maybe I will have to do that. But even that, like I'm equipped to handle that. Like I'm, I'm yeah. financially equipped to handle essentially like a year of, of, um, I would say I could handle a year of recession of my entire business for a year, you know, and that's, and that's making zero money. Um, my business can handle a very long time of losing a couple thousand dollars a month. If that would ever happen, I could survive that for multiple years, you know, probably, but, and support Dave, obviously, right. Support, support my, my sweet, sweet boys. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so not that, not that I, so I'm not against it, but the other thing too is that I'd have to do it all by myself because realistically I can't make them work. Um, I mean, I'm not laying them off, but if, if we're, if we're not essential, we're supposed to be closed, you know, but there are clarifications. I got this from Dave powers about it, that there is clarification. You can do no contact, like curbside pickup and stuff like you can do that. So that'd be allowed, but I still understand how you say essential businesses must close non-essential must close and then still have your employees working and working. I know, you know, cause then we're not, then we're considering ourselves essential. And that goes back to the whole point of us making fun of games. I was like, we're not essential. So I don't know that that's kind of where it all landed in my head. And I don't know. We thought about it before, cause you know, before the mandate to close, we voluntarily closed about a week earlier and yeah. when we voluntarily closed. We considered doing the, well, we could keep the doors locked, have a sign up saying, call us for a product. We could let one person at a time and do all. And I was like, that's just, that's just stupid. It's just, and it's bad. It's a bad experience. And we learned that at GameStop all those years ago. Like it's all about the customer experience when they're in the store. And yes, in a pinch, most people probably wouldn't care because they just want to come in and get their games. But it's like, it's not our store. Like that's, that's not us, what we're doing where we're letting you in and then being like, okay, you got 10 minutes, like move your ass, you know? <laughs> oh, we got three people waiting. You got to go now. Timer you know? starts now. <laughs> because the other part of that problem too, is that people don't get subtle hints. So you'd have to be an asshole about it. Like you'd have to, I'd have to say, Hey, you got to go now. Like I'd point to my watch, like you got to go now. And they'd be like, Oh, I'm just kind of looking at be Like, I don't care. You have five seconds to check out, you know? And then I have to be a jerk and then they're going to be mad at me, even though it's COVID 19's fault. Well, remember the whole old supermarket sweep TV show where <laughs> yes. they like ran in and they just threw as much in their cart as possible and they had to get to the checkout like quickly. You can just do that in a perfect world, John, in a perfect world. Um, so we like, got... also don't touch anything. Yeah, yeah, but don't touch anything. Exactly. And then I have to follow them around with like disinfectant wipes. Everything they touch, I have to wipe it down. So thus you see my problem, you know. Um, but hey, so we've got uh, four stories we're going to talk or three stories we're going to talk about today. One, we're going to talk about the recently announced rumor, or I should say the recent rumor that for the 35th anniversary of Mario, they're going to release a collection of the Wii and Wii U, well, I should say of the N64 and Wii era games. They're going to do a remake of Super Mario 3D World from the Wii U and bring that to the Switch, and that they're going to do a, a, a new Paper Mario game. So we've heard. So, we've got, so we're going to talk about that. Um, the second thing we're going to talk about is uh, recently an article whipped up about how the new Xbox Series X is going to have a controller in the year of our Lord 2020 that still has double A batteries that it uses. So we're going to talk about that and our view on that. You're just going to stop on controller. It has <laughs> like <controller>. groundbreaking. Um, <laughs> it is not going to force you to use Connect. Yes. 99% of the time. <laughs> and and then lastly, we're going to talk about, and this just sprung up today. It was a Kotaku article talking about the bonuses that Gearbox is not going to be giving to its employees for the success of Borderlands 3. So that was a Jason Schreier, my favorite, favorite gaming journalist on the whole planet, Jason Schreier. He did a new, it's his new latest hit piece. Um, but we will talk about that because there's some legitimate info in there. Uh, I think the title's a little, you know, ragged and misleading but there is some good information in there and it ties into a story i talked about gosh i'd have to say probably about a year or two ago there was a lawsuit by an ex-lawyer of gearbox that accused randy pitchford of taking a 12 million dollar bonus out of the business in 2016 
So it all kind of ties together. He bought like together. a fleet of jeeps, right? <laughs> he bought. I don't. I don't know. He's a magician. He can do anything he wants. <laughs> he made them all disappear. Uh, but before we start all that, and and I decided this wouldn't be one of the main stories because I don't really care much about it. I don't have a lot to throw in. But you, John, are very excited for the announcement of a. I don't know if it's a remake or a port, a remake. Like I'm trying to think. It, I'm not sure how it's going to be worded yet, but of the game near replicant which is a essentially the director's cut better version of the original near that came out on 360 and ps3 yes yeah so uh, so you're is, very excited for that so go ahead i'm going to kind of give you your you know it's you, near your podium. a long string of numbers <laughs> by the way when you when you're like i'm just going to throw it to you that's kind of terrifying a little bit oh god uh, <laughs> oh sure hey well go nuts <laughs> so so I and I kind of want you to play near uh, Automata or Automata, however the hell you say it. Somebody's I, you know, I would love to hear or... the official way to say that because Automata is a is a more like verbally satisfying word and way to say it. Automata yeah. feels very um, very clunky when you say it. So Automata yeah. would make more sense, and it almost sounds like how you'd pronounce a Japanese word as opposed to automata is almost like the way that an American would say the way the word spelled out. But anyway, yeah. apparently a great game. A lot of people loved it. I personally, eh, I, I didn't get into it, but so I loved it. Um, I bought the original Nier, uh, which in the U S we got um, the subtitle for Nier was near Gary Busey edition. Um <sighs> Because instead of uh, the main character from Replicant, the Japanese version that was on PS3, they made a special, like, U.S. version, which they called Nier Gestalt. And Nier Gestalt was about the father of a character, and they're trying to basically cure their their child of a disease. And I could not get into it. I, I don't know about you, but, like, the character was so repulsively ugly that I just couldn't get past him I, right. to really enjoy the game. I got to stop you already because what? Because I, I'm already confused at the near games we're talking about. So you're right. saying that the near that we got on PS3 and 360 is actually the Japanese version of a game called near Gestalt. Uh, it's an Americanized version. So near replicant was the PS3 version in, in Japan and near. Yes. And near Gestalt was the Xbox 360 game. And they made the 360 games specifically to appeal to American audiences. Okay, because they wanted like a muscle-bound dude. So they ported instead of they, but that's the same version that we got on PS3 and 360, right? So they ported yes. in the US. They did. They gave us only one version of the game. Okay, and it's Gestalt. So if you see an import yes. of like near Gestalt, that's the shitty game we already got. Yes. Okay. Um, although <laughs> if you're a weirdo. <laughs> The the Japanese Xbox 360 version does have a separate achievement list. So, mm. uh, and I care about dumb things like that. You do, and I, um, and I don't, but I respect that you do. Right. So, so yeah, I bought the, the 360 game back when it came out, and I played it for a little bit, but I just couldn't get into it. And so I set it aside, and I tried to go back to it a couple times, but I just couldn't get into it. So years later... Uh, near Automata camp comes out and I tried out the demo and I normally don't play demos um, but I tried the demo and 
the demo grabbed me really, really hard. It was, it had side scrolling shooter elements. It had vertical scrolling shooter elements. The, the hack and slash combat was really, really fun. I found the enemy designs to be interesting. Um, and the, I really enjoyed the way that it, it transitioned from side scrolling shooter to hack and slash third person game and didn't like pause the game and then have to like explain to you like the type of game you're now playing it, it wasn't like oh this is how you control the side the side scrolling shooter elements you use the same control method as you transition to the different parts of the game yeah and i, I, and I liked I, that a lot yeah i very much liked that i very very much liked that in the very beginning of near um automata it, it was excellent. I thought it was great. And I loved how it went from like vertical shmup to horizontal shmup to third person action hack and slash, like all within the beginning of the game. Thought it was great. I love the idea of the story too, is that like you're basically, there's these like essentially these Android bodies, these robots that they're yeah. downloading your, like your programming into. So every time you die, like you have to go back to a robotic body that's dead and you're getting like your last time this, when you save quote unquote, you're like uploading your consciousness and then it's re-downloading that to like a new body when you die. So like that's cool. Yes. And, and I like the idea of this like AI is taking over the world sort of story. And like then as you're on the planet, you start to meet robots that are like living and celebrating life. And you're like, what the hell is this? Like there, there's some really like that's all should be good to me. That should all be interesting and cool and exciting. And then I don't know. I just was playing the game and I got I got hung up somewhere and I was like, eh, and I just moved on. It's weird. Like it, I, I I don't I, everything about this game I should love it and I don't know why I don't. I think you should restart it because uh, I I really love it. I so I bought it on PS3 and I beat it once, but the second the second playthrough is a little bit different, a little bit more difficult than the first one, and I wasn't embracing the new gameplay that they introduced in the second playthrough. And so because of that, I was having a tough time. And sure, sure. I still enjoyed the hell out of my first playthrough. And they released it on Xbox One, and they released it for download only. And I never, ever, ever buy full game downloads at full price. Like, if, I'm go if your game is on a disc, I'm going to buy it on disc. And if the game is not on disc and it's expensive, I'm probably going to wait for a sale. This is the one time I did not wait at all. I immediately bought the download and I went through the entire thing on Xbox one and I got further in the new game plus and beat it uh, twice. And then I went back to the PlayStation version and I got the platinum trophy in the PlayStation version. Uh, so I like it that much that I have the full thousand points on Xbox one and I have the tro platinum trophy on PlayStation and like, you mentioned that you you heard about like the that you have to beat it three times in order to really get the full story and how that yeah, was kind yeah. of intimidating. And that's one of the things I like about it because what the now this might be spoilers for people that haven't played it, um, but I'm gonna try and like gloss over it as much as possible. There are different characters as you play through the game, and there'll be parts of the game where that character is gone for like a large chunk of the game and the new game pluses are you playing as those other characters and you get to learn what they were doing while you were to be 
in the in the first playthrough doing something else. So they're filling in the story. Uh, the first two fill in the story completely, and then the third playthrough extends the story and finishes it off, and kind of tells you what the resolution of everything is. And okay. I just like the story is so crazy and fascinating that it really grabbed me and I, and the hack and slash combat's fun as hell like it makes me want to go back and play metal gear rising revengeance um because that's another platinum game that is great hack and slash and i just didn't give it much of a chance and it makes me want to get better at that game because i want to experience more of platinum's hack and slash combat sure no i'm with but, you on that and like uh metal gear rising was fun i mean story is like the worst thing i've ever experienced in a story right um <laughs> from a, a franchise that I love, but uh, the game itself was fun. And some of the bosses were annoying because they, they really tried to do like the cutting angle to fight some bosses. Like you fight one boss that all their limbs can like separate, you know, into like pieces. Okay. So you try to cut them and they just separate by like lightning or magnetism. And you're like, yeah, I can't cut them. And it's really stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but otherwise it is, uh, it is pretty fun. And there's actually one of my favorite boss fights in any game is in that game uh, where you fight really? one of the main bad guys. This is the worst. His name is Jetstream Sam. <laughs> That's his name. And uh, <laughs> But you do a fight against him. And so the whole game, you've been doing these stupid, wacky boss fights. With him, it's just one-on-one. -on -one, and it's all about, he basically has like the kind of same similar moves to you. So it's like a one-on-one -on -one sword versus sword block 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 parry you attack 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 block block parry attack like it's just it was just an awesome fight to me um because it was just really fun like it it wasn't super weird like gimmicky it was just it used your raw combat blocking parrying and attacking so it was really fun okay um but yeah so so near uh obviously they've announced now that near replicant is coming is getting remade now replicant is the Japanese PS3 version that we never got? Yes. Is that correct? Okay, because I'm conf I'm so confused by all this. Now, is it is it very similar, except it's just a different main character, or is it a totally different game? They're apparently very similar. So the the Japanese so replicant you play as the brother of this character that you found the cure of this disease, and then in Gestalt, the one that we got, you played as the father. Okay, because here's my memory of Nier for PS3. You start playing it, and you're like a dad and a kid in the in a post-apocalyptic future. It's like snowing or something, if I remember correctly. And you're looking for scraps of like food or something. Like you're, you're and there's like I think there's a soda machine, and you get like a soda out of it or something. Like, <laughs> like here's what I remember. I remember that it's like in the future. It's post-apocalyptic. It's it's like a dad and a kid. Then something happens. I forget. I think like a shadow monster like swoops in or something, and then you're transported to thousands of years in the past or something. And then you're like a hero with a sword. I like, I literally don't remember any of it besides that. Like that, that that's so, all I remember. My knowledge of near isn't great, but the basic gist of kind of where near comes from is there's an ending of Dragon guard one where you are fighting the big boss at the end of the game so you're fighting this dragon and it's all it's like fantasy uh dynasty warriors mm -hmm. so you're you're hacking and slashing this this dragon and then in the ending that near uses you go from fighting this dragon in this fantasy setting to suddenly you are transported over the skies of modern day tokyo 
and you're 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 still fighting this dragon and the Tokyo Defense Force like call, jumps into action and kills this dragon over the skies of Tokyo and the corpse die, or the corpse rests in midtown basically and a plague emits from this corpse of this dragon and destroys almost the entire world. Oh. And so almost all of humanity's wiped out and then 2000 years go by and that's where near takes place. It okay. is Okay. I'm with you still. <laughs> so so you're on earth but earth has been changed by 2000 years worth of decay and overgrowth uh, of plant life and and whatnot. Okay, so you're not transported to the past. You're transported to the super super future, or is it just that you're a totally different character in the super super future? I think. Well, you're a totally different character. Okay. So so you're not the so father Dragon... that was running around with his kid in yeah. a post apocalypse. I'm so yeah. <laughs> so Drakengard Drakengard oh. is just telling you how the world got destroyed. Gotcha. Okay. So. Uh, what I'm assuming that you're talking about, it might be an homage to Drakengard, like that that flashback scene. Okay, um, so but near okay. near takes place two thousand years later, and you're just you're just a dad with a sick kid that is basically just trying to cure the kid of of the illness. Okay, so um, then where does near automata fit in timeline wise? So automata is eight thousand years later. Eight eight thousand years later. Okay, that's yes. a long time. So, so yeah, Automata takes place in like the year eleven thousand. Mm. Uh, that's a good BC, year, man. Or eighty. Um, <laughs> that's and a good year. Yes. So, what happened in between near and near Automata was that there's some or some sort of alien technological. Um, invasion happens basically like a a meteor hits the planet and it has these alien this alien technology androids and they basically hunt and take over the earth and so the surviving humans leave earth and go to the moon and a satellite and they are sending back the 2B robots and um, 9S robots to Earth to kind of see if the Earth is inhabitable again, see if the the the, um, the disease has gone away, and fight the alien invasion that has has uh, inflicted the Earth. Okay, now I mean you're and making me kind of want to play it now. So <laughs> that's that was kind of my hope. <laughs> um, and so so you're you're 2B and you're you're kind of listening to your your bosses on the satellite who are telling you what to telling you that that these robots are a threat but very quickly in the game you're treated to these little very cute almost like trash can looking robots that are not doing evil things like there are some of them that you have to fight but there're also a lot of them that are emulating humans and in in a not violent way and so, like, mm-hmm. the, there's this really weird scene where, like, they're they're imitating sex, and it just looks like two trash cans banging into each other. <laughs> now, now um, I get why you liked it so much. Now, now right, it's all yeah. coming together. <laughs> now yeah, it makes a whole a, lot of I sense. Had a, 
<laughs> had a thing of Luberderm and some tissues, and I'm like, ah, this fine, game's finally getting good. My God. Um, <laughs> My God. Uh, but okay, so, so yeah. But, but yeah. I love that game. I, it's it's really cool. It, it's really unique. Um, the the new game pluses really add a lot to the story. And it also has one of the coolest features of any game. So, like, there are grindy, crappy trophies in it. Like, catch all the fish. Well, you can do that. You can catch all the fish. Or you can just go to the third playthrough of the game. And then there's a girl that will sell you items in the game. And on the third playthrough of the game, she will just sell you the trophies that you don't have. So if you don't want to grind out that stupid fishing trophy, you could just buy mm. the unlock for that trophy for like 3 million credits in game. So that was like their Which way if of you... bribing the players to play through it three times. Maybe. Um, but it's just, it's a cool thing. Like, cause like, I feel like with a game like Gears of War, the, whenever I talk about bad achievements, my go-to is Gears of War. Um, I feel like uh, Epic Games wants you to just hate their product when you're done playing it and getting get all the trophies and achievements because they're just awful. And I feel like um, Yoko Taro, um, the lead on the game, had the different idea of, like, we don't want you to hate our game when you're done with it. We don't want you to spend... 40 hours grinding up out some stupid garbage that you may not enjoy. So you got all the way to the end. You, you saw through to the, the true ending of the game here, you want to buy all the trophies and achievements, do it. So I respect that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And yeah. It, 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 to me, it seems like they respect your time better than a gears of war, making you grind out a whole bunch of, onyx medallions in multiplayer for seven thousand hours right <laughs> well wasn't it the first God. gears or the second gears that had something like get five thousand kills online or something ridiculous oh no it got worse okay okay then <laughs> <laughs> the, so the that was the first gears of war which it was seriously and you had to get five thousand headshots um that one was kind of crappy um gears 2 had one where you had to get 100 i think it was 100,000 kills but there's a there's a part at the end of the game where you're riding a brumac monster and um there's basically just hordes and hordes of enemies beneath your feet and you can just keep reloading at that part of the game okay and just okay. hose a chain gun down so you could technically get that achievement without playing multiplayer and it might take you five six hours but oh, okay. years three, they added so multiplayer medals, and so like your shotgun, there were shotgun medals, and it was like bronze, silver, gold, onyx. There probably were more, but I played that game for five minutes. Um, but <laughs> an onyx medal would be like getting five thousand headshots for every gun in the game, and there was a. Achie the achievement for the third game, Seriously 3.0, the name of the achievement, you had to get like 65 Onyx medals. So you basically had to do Seriously 1 70 times. Oh, man. So yeah, that, that's, just that's rough. And, yeah, and I would... Anybody that finished Gears 3, I feel like they probably hated it. <laughs> well, I know you are, a lot of people probably don't know this. I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast, but you are an achievement hunter big time. And like you had a job for a while where you didn't really have internet access, 
right? Is that what it was? Or you just, you had a lot of free time. It was like a, you were in charge of like a lodge or something that was closed for the season, right? And so you spent the majority of your time like playing games and not just playing them, but a hundred percenting them. So what what is your achievement? Like what's your gamer score? It's got to be what, like 200,000? It's... Three hundred and oh my god, thirty thousand or three hundred forty thousand. I'm not a completionist. Like, um, there are certain games that I will go for all of the achievements in, but if I'm not enjoying myself, I will move on. Sure. Um, and and there are games that like so like Batman Arkham Asylum is my favorite game like ever, and there is so on Xbox, uh, there's each game is a thousand achievement points. And some games have different regions that have different lists. So there is an American uh, list. There's an American Game of the Year edition list. There is a Japanese list. And for a while, there was a PC Games for Windows Live list. There was a PC Game of the Year Games for Windows Live list. And then there's also the remaster on Xbox One. I have all of those done with all a thousand points nice uh and then i also did the ps3 version the japanese ps3 version and the ps4 version so i have nine completions in just that game for one game yeah (laughs) that's ridiculous (laughs) Um, because i love that game that much and it also kind of became a challenge like uh, my buddy kevin that i play games with a lot um me and him are huge into that game. And so it, it became a thing of like, could we do all nine versions of this game? That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, he was over at my house for like a week years ago. And I, I had just built a PC to be able to play the, the PC versions of the game. And we had gone through one version and he was going to leave like the next day. And I was like, dude, let's just do the other one. Like, we'll just power through it. And we'll get it done. He's like, uh, all right, fine. And so we blazed through that game in like eight hours on PC. And like, so then uh, it took me forever to finish the the remasters on PS4 and Xbox One. And he was bugging the crap out of me because he's like, hey, I got nine completions. When are you going to catch up to me? It's like, God damn it. <laughs> nice. Um, well, well, all right. So you're excited for the new Nier. I, I know yep. I, 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 I have felt like I've been missing something with Automata, so I do want to play it. But and, and now that I have the game of the Yora edition, I definitely want to like play it again because the DLC is on the disc for that one, I think. So it's not. It's not. OK, interesting. Sorry. Are you sure? <laughs> also, it's not. Okay. Uh, it's definitely not. It has a separate um, also, skew, but OK. Don't like you mentioned. So one of your hangups that you mentioned was that when you get stuck in a challenge, like you get really kind of focused on it. Right. And so like in, for instance, in that game, you run into somebody who says like, Hey, if you can, if you can complete this like challenge where you don't get hit, you have to defeat these 20 enemies without getting hit. You get something. I get hung up on that a lot because I feel like it's a thing I have to do in the game. So if I can't yeah. beat it and I get frustrated, it, it, yeah, it really annoys me. Yeah. Well, don't play the game of the Yorha edition, uh, challenges like that. Like you can do like the first, 15 or so just fine but there's a lot of them that are like super 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 end game that i can't even finish and it's like they're meant to be done when you're level 99 got it okay okay. and that takes forever like 
Um, the it's funny. There's a bunch of sexy costumes that you unlock for doing those challenges, and I, I feel like they're just a tease because after I played a few of those challenges, I realized there's no way I'm ever gonna get any of those mm. costumes. Mm, the class they're so difficult. Classic honey trap. They get you. Yeah. So <laughs> so I would say don't bother with the challenges. Like you get some cool stuff in the beginning, but don't get wrapped up in them. Just do a few and then move on. And then the one thing I would say to anybody that hasn't played near, because this totally boned me on an automata uh, and I got stuck for like nine hours not knowing what to do. So this isn't a spoiler. There's a part in the game where you are near water and you'll fight a boss. And I skipped a cutscene and I didn't pay attention to what they told me to do. And so I spent the next nine hours just not having any idea where the hell to go. And so what you're supposed to do directly after fighting that boss by the water, they give you a scanning tool that's new on your little robot that follows you. You're supposed to just scan a bunch of crap. And you do it for like 20 minutes, and then it moves on to the next part of the game. Mm. But if you go to the pause menu and you go to like quest description, it doesn't tell you that. So I spent nine hours just leveling up. Basically. Yeah, like just just running around or trying to find like a tutorial or something online. Like, just get me through this. Like, what is the deal? Yep. Um, yep, I did a lot of Googling and I finally got past it. All right. So we'll, we've got to wrap this up. We're somehow already 37 minutes in, John, just talking about near, which I yeah, knew was going to happen, but that's okay. I knew it was going to happen, but I know you're excited for it. So I'm glad you got to kind of right. get that out there. I was listening to the uh, Giant Bomb podcast while working today, and that thing's like seven hours long. Yeah, they so. do cast a long time. <laughs> I, I like to keep mine. Well, I when I do it solo, it's around an hour. So with two people, you do assume it's going to be about an hour and a half to two hours. But like two yeah. hours is a really long time for a lot of people, and I think people really liked the hour-long episodes. But it's fine. Not saying we need to crunch it down or anything. <laughs> and people can listen to it in two parts. It's fine, or we can upload it in two parts. Whatever. Um, well, it actually, if if you don't like it, and you would like it shorter, mention it in the comments on uh, YouTube. Yeah, you can do that, or, or obviously on SoundCloud where you listen to it, or you can email me, or t- tweet at me is probably the best thing to do. So I'm at Game yeah, Trade uh, Greg. Just tweet at me if you think it's too long, or if you think it's the right length. It's always nice to get some feedback. Uh, obviously, we want to make a show that's entertaining, something that we like to do, but also something that's entertaining for you, because the whole point of this is to share our knowledge with other people. So, But with that being said, John, we're going to move on to our first story, uh, which is the Nintendo article. So let me bring up the uh, the website here. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna cue us up, and then we're gonna roll. You ready? All right. Yep. All right. Here we go. So first up on the podcast today, John. Like I said, we're gonna be talking about Nintendo and um, the 35th anniversary of Mario. And apparently, Nintendo has big, big plans. Now I know we talked about this a little bit, and you are very excited for this. But the report coming out, and this is a rumor as of now, but it's been it first came out in Venture Beat, and then it was confirmed by Eurogamer. And games beat. And they're saying that Nintendo originally planned to focus on Mario's 35th anniversary at E3. But since it got canceled, Nintendo's going to go ahead with the promotion and it will likely hold a direct style event to provide all the details. These details include a, a paper, a new paper Mario game, more similar to the Nintendo 64 and GameCube RPGs, more information about the upcoming Mario film, the animated film, Universal Studios Super Mario World theme parks. We're going to get info about that. And apparently, they're going to announce a collection of the N64 
GameCube and Wii versions of Mario games. So there's apparently going to be a pack that includes Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. Alongside a complete, like, I guess port would be the right word, but they're going to add some extra content and they're going to bring Super Mario 3D World to the Switch, similar to how Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe got ported to the Switch. So, my question then to you, John. Why are you so excited for these games? And I'm not saying that in like a snarky way. Like, uh, what is it about these games that has you excited for this these, these ports? So, I love Mario 64. Um, I, I first played Mario 64 on a Nintendo 64 at Toys R Us uh, in Green Bay. And just the way that Mario controlled was fun as hell. And I would love to play that again. And I would love to share that with my daughter, Lyra. And it's just like, I feel like that's one of the perfect Mario games. And the the levels are so fun. So I definitely want to replay that on the Switch. I'm hoping that it gets a great graphical enhancement. Um, Yeah, and, and the DS version wasn't much of an improvement. You know, if they put it on the 3DS like they did with the Zelda games, Ocarina and Majora like those were significant graphical updates to those games, not just the 3d, yeah. but just in, in general, like the textures were smoother. It was sharper. It was a crisper display. Um, so I'm with you. Have you played Mario 64 lately though? Like in the last four or five years. Um, and I, and I only asked that because I played a little bit of it, it's one of those games in my opinion, that is very good, especially nostalgically speaking, but I don't know if those controls hold up as well. Like, I shouldn't say that because the controls are similar to like Mario Odyssey, but I feel like it's a little clunkier um, unless they unlock like a free roam camera situation. Cause like they had that with like the, you know, in the 64 version, but if you added like the second analog stick to be full 3d and they touch up the graphics, I could, I could see it being successful, but that's my, you know, I, I think Mario 64 gets a lot of the, you know, the nostalgia treatment because yeah, it just was so amazing at that time. Like, and I totally agree with you. Like Mario 64 was a game changer. I was a PlayStation guy all the way. I had a 64 that I bought mostly for multiplayer stuff. Cause I loved the four player capabilities, but I mean like Mario 64 was amazing at that time. Like that was, that was, that game was money and it was just amazing compared to like, any of the 3d stuff that Sony was offering at that time. And I mean, like obviously Sony themselves weren't making a whole lot, but you know, you had like your Crocs and your, you know, I mean, spiral was much <laughs> later, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm always torn when it comes to these ports. I, I don't, I, I don't want to call them. I guess I don't know. We don't know until we hear it. I don't want to call them remasters yeah. or remakes at this point. As far as I'm concerned, they're ports. Um, now the thing about ports is, everyone hates them until it's a game they really want. <laughs> so <laughs> like I could look at this and say, and actually I am kind of excited for this too. Cause there are certain 3d Mario games. I never explored most notably sunshine and galaxy one and two, because at that, when those games came out, I wasn't into the frame of mind where I would play those games. You know, like okay. I was, I was playing, I know it sounds stupid, but I was playing like a lot of world of Warcraft, which took up most of my time. And then once, 
you know, through the PS2 era, I played a lot of Japanese RPGs. So, like, I wasn't really playing a 3D platformer. And, in fact, I don't typically like 3D platformers. I don't like Jack and Daxter. I don't like Ratchet and Clank. And there's nothing against those games. It's just they're not for me. I don't like Metal Arms. I don't like Sly Cooper. I don't like Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. I don't like Sphinx. I don't like, you know, I just, I don't like Tack and the Power of Juju. I don't like any of those. But I know I'm in the minority with that. So I hadn't played a 3D Mario game since Mario 64 all the way through until Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, I really liked. I played through the whole thing. That was great. I played it start to finish, and there was enough challenge where I had to stop a few times and, like, like, you know, refigure the way I was playing against a certain boss. And then there was a... But there was a lot of, like, really neat exploration stuff I loved. So that's always the issue, though, is... It's 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 great for everybody who wants it, and it sucks for anybody who doesn't, right? Because people then argue like, "Hey, now I will say if they put Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy one and two on one collection for sixty bucks, I think that's a no brainer. To me, as a purchase, yeah. I'd buy that in a second. If they try to do something like Mario sixty four and Mario Sunshine on a cart for sixty, and then Mario Galaxy one and two on a cart for sixty, I'd probably start to get a little more irritated with that." I would start to think like, okay, now we're breaking up. Not that it's still not a good value, I guess, but you can get Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 for 10 to $12 each on the Wii. And you can get Mario 64 is a $25 game, and Mario Sunshine arguably is up to 50 bucks. to be fair, on the GameCube. Is it really? Yeah, it's creeping really bad. It's like 40 50 all <laughs> day now. The yeah. least popular one is the most expensive yeah. value-wise. Which is weird, too, because Mario Sunshine is super fun. Like, I've never played it to completion, but I played it in the beginning. Like, it, the, the gimmick is weird, but look at Mario Odyssey. You have a hat. You know, like, that's the gimmick of that game. So the gimmick of, of Sunshine is you've got a water jetpack. So it's, you know, it's whatever. Um, So my next question to you then would be, if this ends up being true, what would be the maximum amount of money you would pay for a collection that includes Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy 1 and 2? Which I don't know if they've officially said Mario Galaxy 2, but I feel like... Well, they haven't officially said anything. Well, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Good point. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back to Earth on that one. So you're right. They haven't said anything officially. But what what would be the most you would pay for that game? See, if they were just throwing the games themselves on the cartridge and not doing anything to improve them at all. And none of them were a download and and they're all physically on the cart. (laughs) If, if that was the case, I would say, so Mario 64, Mario galaxy one and sunshine, I would say 60 bucks. If they remastered all of them and like, if they all looked as good as like Super Mario um, Odyssey, I would say I would pay forty bucks for Mario sixty four, forty bucks for Mario Galaxy one, forty bucks for Mario Galaxy two, oh. and about four dollars for Sunshine. <laughs> oh my uh, God, <laughs> John, you're part of the problem. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so the, my problem with Sunshine is that like, so Yoshi's on Sunshine, but Yoshi is on a timer where you have to eat fruit in order to keep him alive. Mm. And and it's only like 10 seconds. So like if you don't eat another piece of fruit within that 10 second time frame, he just disappears. And there's some rather frustrating puzzles on the uh in the hub world of Delfino Island okay, where sure. you have to like you have to ride Yoshi on like 
I could be wrong because it's been like 20 years since I've played this, but like on the back of a stingray to a pipe and you have to use Yoshi's spit to clean the pipe off so you can go down the pipe. And there are, um, there are those fruits like sporadically placed along this route that's being taken. And they're barely close enough for you to keep eating the fruit to keep Yoshi existing. And that was one thing that I could just never get accomplished when I was playing it back in the GameCube. And it frustrated the hell out of me. It's like, I love Yoshi. Yoshi was great in Mario, Super Mario World. And they're giving you Yoshi again, but in the most annoying way possible. Ah, I see. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you on that. That It's like they gave you more before. And like now they're giving you, yeah. they're giving you like, like almost like he's overpowered or something. So they had to limit your abilities with him but then they end up making it not fun you know i i I, lots of games do stuff like that like they they gate they try to gate certain things so that you know you can't manipulate or break them but then the mechanic they put in to prevent it from breaking the game ends up breaking the fun so like that happens a lot yeah that happens more than it should in any in any game and with with me like a good mario game is all power-ups like that that's why i like mario 64 so much is that the uh the wing cape or the wing hat is just awesome and like super mario world the cape is awesome and like there's just yeah a lot of the enemies are really iconic and fun so like i remember the the um is that the thwomp they changed thwomps in the n64 game where they slam down on you right right and so like those are really fun and the i remember beating um the king babam at the top of that cake looking level in the beginning of the game like those are just really really enjoyable experiences and it was it was fun like trying to race up the hill faster um and and like try to speed run that game a little bit in in my 10 year old self sure so yeah i just have a lot of fond memories of that game and i'm i would hope that this is true um but yeah i like i would pay more for for a, a graphical enhancement than than just sixty bucks personally, like I would I would buy those games separately if if need be. Um, okay, so so to reiterate, I just want to get this clear: you would pay forty dollars each for yeah. like for a, but that's for a remaster, it's like or a remake or a remaster, because yes. a remaster typically uh, they would just clean up the textures, you know, sharpen. I would up. say remake. Okay, so a remake is Mario sixty four that looked like Mario Odyssey, I would pay 60 bucks. No problem for that because I paid 60 bucks for Link's awakening, which arguably was obviously it's an old game boy game, but that got a complete remake treatment. Um, art style aside, whether you like it or not, it it was, it was completely built from the ground up minus the theory behind the game, the design elements, you know, but a lot of that was altered too. So, um, but I'm with you. So I would pay 60 bucks for a remastered Mario 64. If, if it looked like Mario Odyssey was Mario 64, I think I'd be with you on that. Um, here's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to get Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine on one cart. And it's going to okay. be 60 bucks. I think okay. we're going to get Mario... Uh, I think we're going to get Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 on one cart for 60 bucks. Now, the, there's rumors all over the place, and we don't know for sure. And I, I could be wrong on this. Obviously, I'm wrong plenty and there was rumor that came out initially that they that they weren't going to just port them it was going to be given like the remaster treatment where they were going to clean them up not remake them but clean them up the only problem and then i also read that they did want to put them all on one cart but then i'm starting to think well 
that's a lot of value. But if they do it like the Kirby collection, because they did the Kirby collection for the Wii, and they put a ton of Kirby games on there, including the 64 one, you know, yeah. for, for a normal game price. So it's not unheard of for Nintendo to do that. So what I want is I want them all on one cart for 60 bucks. I'm worried they're going to split it up into two separate games, which I could understand. I just don't want it to happen. So yeah. but that's what I think. I think they're going to break it up and have two separate games if this even ends up being a real thing, which I think it will. The The sites reporting on it seem very confident in the info wherever it came from. So I think a better way to break it up if they were going to break it up would be put Mario 64 and Mario Galaxy on one and put Mario Sunshine and Mario Galaxy 2 on another one. Because the only thing holding back Mario Galaxy games from looking stunning is just the Wii's capability of hardware. Just sure. That it that it was 480p, and the like the levels in those games look fantastic. So I they really could do not do nothing to Mario Galaxy one and two, but increase the the uh, resolution to 1080p. And those games would would still stand up up and look fine. Sure. Um, they would need to tweak the um, the controls a little bit because, like, the, well, obviously it was made for the remote. One of them, you like, yeah, yeah, you like flick the remote, and he does his little little extra twirl. Which I guess technically um, so you have to tweak that. But 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 really, you may not have to because there is there are gyros in all the controllers for the Switch. When you play Mario Odyssey, even when I played with the Pro Controller, I still had to like spin it around to do certain hat moves and stuff. So you could integrate yeah. that into the the Switch has the technology to to use it. But with with the Switch Lite existing though, I think they would want to make that an option because obviously there's going to be a lot of people yeah. that can't. That's a really good Joy-Cons. point. Yep. No, that's a good yeah, point. You don't want to be like playing it like the old school like your first time ever playing a game and you're going fat yeah and yeah no like totally the controller around <laughs> yep no i totally agree with that um you're especially since they're pushing the light and uh, you know you have to make it viable especially a mario game like it'd be different because obviously there were some games that came out before they conceptualized the light so you know you've got certain games that don't work like i don't know arms i don't know if you can play one two switch i know you can't play Arms, I think they added a traditional um, mode for now that I think of it. I'm pretty sure you can play Arms. Yeah, but like one two with switch, one two you switch, you just shouldn't play. Right. So oh, problem. Hey, solved. that game's fine if it had been free. It just wasn't free, you know. Yeah. Like like that should have been the pack-in title. They should have just included it on the Switch, you know, as like built-in software. Like selling that game for fifty dollars is one of the more egregious Nintendo crimes. I feel like over the last few years, of which they've had quite a few, in my opinion. That one is is like more egregious i think than most but um i'll give you last word on this my odyssey bundle if there's anything else you'd like to see um why don't we ask or or what if i ask you um about the paper mario stuff obviously you can talk about that but i'll kind of give you the final word because I, i'm cool with it I, I i'm i mean ports or whatever i feel like the thing about ports is it's all about the price and the value so like when capcom yeah. ported all the resident evil games but made them 20 bucks and the dead rising games are all 20 bucks that makes sense to me like that 20 bucks for a, the, essentially the definitive version of that game makes total sense to me. But if they're going to release every game separately for 30, 40, 50 bucks, you know, I, ugh, you know, I, I just don't know. But if it's all in one collection for 60, that to me is a huge value and I'll take it in a second. Like I'd buy that in a second, but I'll, I'll pass the, the last word to you. Um, it was, as far as this collection goes, I'm, I'm hoping they really do like have 
an all-encompassing one because they're they're talking about the 35 years of mario and there's a lot of games that haven't gotten uh included in a lot of these little collections and stuff so do super mario world 2 do um like re-release like do a a definitive edition of mario all-stars with all the 2d games and all the the 3d games like i would i would be fine with getting all of that on one console yeah, well, I think... Um, and, like, Yoshi Story would be another yeah. one. Like, my wife loves Yoshi Story from from uh, Nintendo 64. It's one of her favorite games. So, like, give us a definitive version of kind of the Mario saga all on one console. I think that'd be awesome. Yep, I'm with you on that. All right. As far as the, yeah. the RPG stuff, I don't care about those games. I don't play them. Uh, yeah. So... Well, and I like I Mario... I for that. I like Mario RPG a lot. Um, but... Like Paper Mario on the 64 never felt like that. Like it never, it didn't, it wasn't Mario RPG two. That's for sure. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. I'm okay with it. And then obviously people love thousand year door. Like people, people just like never stop talking about that, which is fine. You know, like, but I just have no experience with it. I have no idea if it's any good. So yeah, me neither. I played, I, I bought, um, super paper Mario on Wii just because I, I was buying everything at that time. Sure. And uh, there's so much dialogue in like the first five minutes of the game. It's like, oh my God, it's Peach ever going to shut up? Yeah. Like, and, I would and that like game, to play this game. And, and that game's actually not a bad platformer. It's just not an RPG. And like Paper Mario was synonymous yeah. with RPG. So I don't know why they decided to make a 2D platformer version, especially because the Wii was already going to be coming out with the new Super Mario Brothers. You know, so it, it had its 3D Mario games. It had its 2D Mario games. Like, why did Super Paper Mario just be another 2D Mario game? It should have just been different, you know. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, you brought up something that I didn't think about. Like, there's, um, there's like, the two 3DS Mario games. Or the one DS one, Super, New Super Mario Brothers. New Super Mario Brothers 2. And then the Wii New Super Mario Brothers game. Yeah. Like, there should be a collection of those as well. It'd be cool if they did like the, like the Mega Man collections because you know, those, my God, they put everything on there and now, and then they did the the advent, you know, they put those together. The only thing I'm still waiting for is the battle network collection. Like that'd be awesome to make a battle network collection. Cause I, I just, even if it was just the Game Boy Advance ones and they didn't do the DS ones, which I guess technically all five, the first five are on Game Boy and then you could do the DS ones later. But, um, yeah, like th- I love the first Mega Man Battle Network. Like that's that's an excellent game. The first two, and then once they started like doing the stupid Pokemon blue and white versions, and like I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> Red Sun, Blue Moon, you know, like just come on, man, like just just make the game. You don't have to try to gimmick those, us into buying two. Aren't those really really expensive? Like the Battle Network games really went up there. The price? first the first two are yeah yeah Battle Network okay. two in the box. I don't think. I only have the first one complete in the box. I need the second one, and that one's probably sixty bucks in the box. If I had to guess, sixty, eighty bucks. Oh, that's not too bad. So not like out of this, not out of the stratosphere, but more than yeah. I want to pay. <laughs> it, it's funny. As much as I love Mega Man, because I have almost every Mega Man game, I have none. Of, I don't think I have any of the Battle Network games at all. Um, I just, I just didn't like the design of the character and the change to the like card battling thing well, whatever it did well so here's the thing it's actually not a card battler um it, it's it's very good so 
what first what I liked was you play as a character who when he logs into the internet, he, Mega Man is his, like his avatar. Okay. So when you're there, the combat is you're on a three by three grid. You move around in real time, square by square, and you have like attack buttons, like shoot and whatever. It's just that the the chips that you equip are basically different moves you can do. So then like you can do a move that'll take up like a T shape in squares and like make it a big explosion, okay. and hit multiple enemies. But the whole time you're playing, you can still move up and down and left and right as much as you can within your grid to dodge attacks and to shoot in real time. And so I, I thought it was great. Cause I thought it was like a, like a live action RPG kind of. And then I just like the idea of it being like a digital Mega Man being a digital version of that. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't know why that one stuck with me, but I liked it quite a bit. I'll have to give that a try someday. Yeah. I'll, I'll lend you the first one. <laughs> All right. So next up on the podcast today, John, we're going to be talking about the Xbox series X controller and how in the year 2020 it's going to release and still come with double A batteries. <laughs> now it recently, and let me get this. So <clears throat> when speaking to digital foundry, Xbox's partner director of program management, Jason Rowland said, sticking with the battery pack in the new Xbox controller offered players a level of flexibility. He added that the split between those who wanted batteries and those preferring built-in rechargeable cells was about 50-50. Quote, what it comes down to is actually talking to gamers. It's kind of polarizing, and there is a strong camp that really wants double A's. So just giving flexibility is the way to please both groups of people, said Roland. Quote, you can use a rechargeable battery pack, and it works just as it does on the Elite, but it is a separate thing end quote okay so i'm gonna take this one first because this this is what baffles me about this whole conversation now i understand that they talked to they talked to gamers they did a survey and asked them now part of the problem i have with that is that unfortunately because i've engaged with a few of these people on twitter all i see on twitter is the stupid ridiculous fanboy arguments back and forth it's like all i see there's people that twitter keeps showing me like certain people because like It'll be some comment about how why Xbox is trash, and the next one is why PlayStation is trash, and now it's the teraflops argument, and and now it's this really stupid like, well, the PS4 is less power, but it's faster and sleeker. Like it's the stupidest stuff going on right now. <laughs> it's just it's just terrible. And but the reason I bring that up is because the one argument I hear all the time as like one of the benefits to the Xbox is how the double A's in the controller are better because if the battery dies in your controller, you can just replace it. You don't have to replace the whole controller. And I don't know about you. I've never had a battery die on me in a controller, PS3 or PS4. But I will say, working at my store, I have seen plenty of controllers come in with dead batteries. I've seen it. I've had had maybe five to ten controllers over the life of the PS4 that if you plug them in, they work just great. The back gets really hot, like behind where your hands are, like where the battery is. And as soon as you unplug it, it dies right away. So the death of a battery is a real issue. I'm not going to downplay that and say it's not a possibility. It absolutely is. But here's why I'm bringing this up. Because it's one of the arguments I always hear as one of the benefits when people are trying to make an argument why Xbox One is better than PlayStation 4. They say how they like that their controllers have AA batteries because it gives them options. So I feel like if, if Microsoft's going out to the gamers, quote unquote, and they say, "What do you, do you want AA batteries? Half of them are going to say yes because that's been one of their fighting points during this whole console war. You know, Sony fanboys, the ponies, right? The ponies always bring up that they've got the games, 
but you know, the, but the X bots, the X bots are like, we got the double batteries, but, but, but we got, we got, we, you know, we have benefits too. And so that's always like, that's one of their sticking points. So I think asking the community was, doesn't make sense. However, in this instance, they said it was 50, 50. So if it's 50, 50, how in the hell do you land on the side of putting in the technology of double A batteries as opposed to putting in a rechargeable battery? Like, like if it's 50, 50, why did the, why did the decades old technology win? You know, I don't understand that. Microsoft wants to be innovators, you know? Well, yeah. Well, and, and, and so here's a couple things. One, the Xbox elite controller version two has a built in rechargeable battery. So Microsoft clearly views that as as some sort of added bonus or added benefit to a controller to have that built in. Right. It and comes that controller with is what 200 bucks? 200 bucks. It's a pre, it's a premium feature, Microsoft would call that because it is. It it adds value to a a, a controller. So why like did they not pull people for the Xbox 1 Elite Controller Series 2? Did they not pull those people and ask if they want to recharge all batteries? They just put it in there. So I don't know. I look at this stuff and I just, it's confusing to me. And this is the last thing I'll say and then I want to pass it to you so you can actually have a, a, a say in this argument. But I have the solution. I have, I have the solution because Microsoft themselves already have the solution. Why don't they just include a removable rechargeable battery like you can buy separately? And thus the answer is right there you can buy it separately. I mean, yeah. I don't forget that the original Xbox made you pay for a DVD playback kit so you could watch DVDs because you had to put the dongle in one of the controller ports. A fully playable DVD player needed you to buy an extra accessory for 20 to $30 so you could watch DVDs in it. It's always been do their you know style. Why that, do you know why that dongle existed? Sure, hit me with it. Well, actually, I don't, so please tell me. So... The and this is the same reason why Nintendo does not allow you to play DVDs on the the Wii. Um, so if you want to play DVDs, you have to pay the the holders of the codec uh, licenses. Correct. Correct. So like MPEG and and all that. And so the little the crappy RCA remote because uh, it was totally an RCA remote on the X, original Xbox and the dongle that you had to plug in you were basically paying to uh, those licenses. So that way the codex could, the Xbox could decode those signals from the DVDs. That's the entire reason that that little remote existed. Really. Sure. T- totally. Um, so, t- I, I definitely understand that a year earlier, PlayStation threw it in their PlayStation two for free. You know what I mean? Yes. So, but PlayStation also, uh, I think they were on like the DVD consortium. So like they, they were on the board of directors that developed yeah. that technology. So, so Sony it was, was a little yeah. bit cheaper for them. Sony was in a good Plus, position to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they looked at it as a way of getting the system in your house. So there were plenty of people like, like I bought a PS2 because it was a DVD player. Um, I'm also addicted to video games, but that was a nice feature sure. that the system had <laughs> agreed. Um, so yeah, the, Xbox, I, I think that just like that peripheral on the original Xbox was about making 30 bucks and and paying that license, I think that the batteries on the Xbox 360 
Xbox One and, and Xbox Series X, it's about getting a little bit more money out of you. Yeah. Um, I I think they want to sell you that that cheap cable that costs them ten cents and the rechargeable batteries inside of a little plastic box that costs them maybe a dollar or two for twenty to twenty five bucks. Now just to clarify, John, you're saying all this and I, I see behind you a lot of Xbox One games. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now you're not a s you're not a pony, right? Like I'm always accused of being a Sony fanboy. I'm not you know Yes. I, I always say I'm a Sony guy, but what I mean by that is I've always preferred the Sony console. I don't mean I'm a Sony right. guy in the sense where Sony can do no wrong. Uh, in, in fact, I talk about how awesome the 360 was all the time. I think the 360 swooped in and just smashed Sony in the mouth uh, for the first couple of years <laughs> the PlayStation 3 was out. Yeah. So so I'm always accused of being the, the pony, but you yourself, like you are a self-labeled Xbox fan. Like you have, again, yes. we say this every time we do an article like this because I'm trying just for people to understand that we are real people that play all the game systems. We don't we don't choose sides in some BS console war. I'm just calling it like I see it, you know? And if the PS5 comes out with some garbage feature, like I have to pay for 8K video watching or something later, like, okay, I'll tell you, perfect example. The fact that the PS4 can't play 4K Blu-rays is bonkers. Like, like that's yeah, crazy the fact that to the me. Pro, yeah, that they didn't it, put that in the pro. It, it should be in the regular, but fine. If you couldn't even mash it into well, the pro, it's fine. And not, not well, that. Yeah, and and I, I know exactly what you're gonna go. But because yeah. it came out years ago, but when the pro came out, they should have been like, "Hey, premium console, it's gonna play 4K games. Let it play 4K movies." Right, and, and and even if it was doing like, because even the the S model of the Xbox One does this. It's not just a feature on right. the X. The S does it too. So that's, I mean, that's a great feature that Microsoft did over Sony in that. So that, just for reference, okay, I call out Sony when they suck at something too. And I, I had a real hard time. I bashed the PS3 launch big time. Believe me, they took years to recover from that awful launch. And I was there for every second of it. Uh, and, and the 360 was not only just being better than them, like they were being way better than them, <laughs> like in every way, except for the hardware durability, obviously with the red ring of death issue. So I just want to preface this all. John is one of the biggest Xbox fans I know. In fact, whenever I go on a trip somewhere, I always pick out the stupidest, weirdest import 360 <laughs> games I can find because he's such a fan of of the 360 that I'm trying to bulk his collection even more, but I have to get weird imports from weird corners of the earth because John has everything that's available to normal people <laughs> in this region yes. and, and many others. <laughs> So I just wanted to clarify, John, that you are, in fact, an Xbox fan and you're just calling yeah. it like you see it. And I totally agree. It's just it's an add on accessory, you know, and this is what bothers me. And I know this was a different time. Right. But one quote always sticks with me. And it was when the original Xbox was coming out. And I guess at the time, would that have been Peter Moore nah, or Don Matrick? Maybe so, I, I forget who it would have been. But are they basically talking Xbox one or three, six or, or the original, original, the original Xbox one. Oh, um, that would be probably metric. Yeah. So, so I remember them remember cause the big thing was that it had built in ethernet, no dial up. You had no option for dial up on that thing. And I remember there were a lot of people concerned, you know, and saying, well, what if we don't have high speed internet? We can't play online. And, you know, one of the replies that Microsoft had at the time was, look, we're going to drag people into the future, kicking and screaming if we have to, but we're going to drag you into the future. And, th and that was like a quote at the time, which always stuck with me because it's, you know, sometimes we need that. Sometimes as customers, we're so stuck in our old ways, we need to be shown a new and better way. 
I think it worked really well with the Ethernet. I think that should have been the standard. And I wish Sony had just done the same thing too. Because I think playing certain online games like SOCOM and something like that would have been way better knowing that everybody was on high-speed internet. Yes, it would have limited yeah. the amount of people that could play, but I think it would have been better. Um, and so I don't think it worked out with the Xbox One because I think they tried to drag people in the future kicking and screaming as to how digital and physical right management works. Uh, right. And so I don't think that worked. And so they made a misstep there. But for a company that touts themselves on always being the future and pushing forward and pushing the boundaries, I just cannot, I cannot let the fact go that they're putting double A batteries in a controller. And I have no problem that they're removable. And I understand that argument totally that if a controller dies, like the battery dies, the controller's toast. I get it. Then just make them like they are now. But instead of putting two double A batteries in the box, put a rechargeable battery in there. And put a charge cable in there. I'm sorry. I, I, that costs them so little to do. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of like conspiracies that are floated out there by the ponies <laughs> that uh, that talk about how it's like a conspiracy where they have deals with like Duracell, you know, and like Duracell pays them a bunch of money to put the batteries in there. Now, I believe that to be true. <laughs> I mean, I, I believe in the fact that Duracell's advertising with Microsoft by putting the batteries in there. They probably give them the batteries for free or may even pay Microsoft for the ability to have exclusive battery rights. If they even use Duracells, do they use Duracells in, in an Xbox One? I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you get Duracells inside of each of the okay. new Xbox One controllers. Yes. So, so okay, um, but I, I I don't buy the conspiracy. And you know we're really big on conspiracies here. <laughs> we 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 thoroughly <laughs> enjoy a good conspiracy here, but I don't believe that the reason they put AA batteries in there is because Duracell paid them the money not to do that. I don't believe that. I believe what you're saying, which is you can get an easy 15 to $20 add on because everyone on the planet is just going to want to buy a rechargeable battery, you know? Yeah. But and now I like having the, the plan charge kits. So like, I don't mind paying that extra 20 to 25 bucks. And I will, I'm, I'm going to say the PlayStation having built in battery kind of annoys me a little bit because sometimes when I want to play my PlayStation four, I'll grab a controller and it's dead. And sure, sure. with having a four-year-old in my house, like having the cable running to my Xbox or to my PlayStation controller charging it while I'm playing, it is not ideal. You, you need to get like a 40-foot cable so there's plenty of slack when she comes running through and she hits it. <laughs> I, yeah, I basically need to like lay it underneath the carpeting. Yeah. Um, so like when my Xbox controllers die... I'll just pull the battery out of the back of one of the controllers that isn't dead and I'll put it into the controller yeah. I'm trying to use. I have... So I like that. And that's that's part of the reason why I don't mind it. Uh, on 360, I, I had like eight of those little rechargeable battery packs that I kind of just always had sure. ready to go. Sure. Well, and, th and that's how I feel about it too. I'm the first to say you should never have a, a controller die because the battery dies. And we're running into a lot of issues with the PS3 controllers right now. They're really hard to get in because there's always some problem with it, whether it's the rechargeable battery's dead or the sticks are drifting or whatever. So yeah, yeah that's a problem. And, and if you can't replace those easily, that's a problem for the for for the the future. You know, like it's not a problem tomorrow. But so I totally agree. And I, if somehow Sony would come out with a PlayStation Five that had rechargeable batteries that were replaceable, even if it was like the Wii U gamepad where you had to unscrew a back panel and just pop a battery. That's way more realistic and reasonable to me. They could even sell upgraded, high upgraded batteries or like upgrade capacity yeah. or something, you know? Well, because taking but, apart a PS, 
controller is a nightmare. P- like, PS4 controllers PS3 are controllers absolute nightmares. And PS4 controllers yeah. are it's it's like you're opening a box that the contents are bigger than the box itself, yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to shove everything back in. Yeah, Dave. Uh, Dave repairs a lot of controllers for us, and he basically what okay. he has to do is he has to use tape packing tape along the whole front of the controller to hold the buttons into place so that when he opens it <laughs> the buttons can't fall okay. out because he's got them all taped basically together and and it's totally ridiculous and terrible that you have to do that now you could argue that sony does that so that if there's a problem you have to send it back to them and that's their money making scheme right and i totally see that as a thing and it's it's a problem to me i don't like it but rechargeable batteries is just basic stuff i mean i'm looking at my switch pro controller that Switch Pro controller now, arguably that thing's way too expensive at 80 bucks or whatever it is. But the Switch Pro controller, yeah. that thing lasts forever. That thing's got a, like a 20-hour battery life on it. And the DualShock has like four or five hours. It's pathetic. Like it's the worst battery ever. Um, yeah, Microsoft, like light bar. yeah, exactly. And, and, like you, and you can't fully turn it off, so it's kind of stupid. But uh, I just don't get it. That, that's my point here is just that I don't see how Microsoft doesn't just include a rechargeable, removable battery pack. It, that to me is, one, you're pleasing your fans that want rechargeable. You're pleasing your fans that want removable batteries. And and you can even make it the way it is now. Just include the play and charge kit. And if you want, you can pop it out and put in double A's if you want. Because there are a lot of people yeah. that argue that they have high capacity rechargeable double A batteries. And they want to use those. I'm like, okay. So give give the people more options. You know, but they're not. They're they're just saying like, nope. It's just you get double A batteries, or you can pay us extra money. You know, it just it just feels like, I mean, they're supposed to be the future. You know, like this this is the future. This is the future. You're talking about you got the more you got the most powerful console ever created coming out. It's more powerful than the PlayStation Five. Double A batteries, double A batteries, John. I don't know. It's weird. Now to bag on the Xbox a little bit more, um, and this is coming from a fanboy ish. Um, an Xbox so family. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the the 4K Blu-ray drive. So there are known issues with specifically the Xbox One X 4K Blu-ray drive, where it will not play certain discs. It'll just bounce out to an error screen. Oh, and so I I was trying to play. I I bought. Um, uh immortal engines and i was trying to i threw the 4k blu-ray into my xbox one x and i was i wanted to watch it and it just kept bouncing out to an error and i was like what the hell whatever so i watched the the standard blu-ray version which just looked like trash obviously (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, you had to watch watch the blu-ray 1080p pleb version Uh, oh no oh poor john (laughs) i felt i took a cold shower afterwards it was awful oh boy um but so I was doing some Googling because I had run into this issue more than once with different discs. And I was like, all right, this Mortal Engines disc is brand new. Why is it telling me that it's dirty or it's not a, not a 4K disc? And so with some Googling, I found out that the Xbox One X has issues with certain 4K discs. And I was like, well, I have an Xbox One S on, plugged into my other TV like three feet away. So I unplugged that. I plugged it into my 4K TV. I threw the Mortal Engines disc into the S. Works fine. Crazy. So there's an issue with the Blu-ray app on Xbox One X that they have not fixed. What was the and error if you that you look it came... at reviews? Um, I don't remember. It, it basically says that it's a failed dirty disc. to start or something. Or okay. Yeah. 
but like the reviews on the Microsoft store, because if you go to the Blu-ray app to download it, yeah. they have reviews just like every other game and whatnot. They're all people complaining about how it doesn't play certain 4K discs on the Xbox One X. That's weird. So I, you, you know, it's funny. I never heard that. Yeah, I never heard that before. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it blows. I, just give me more. So just I, give me more. <laughs> I have to I have to switch my Xbox One X or Xbox One systems in order to play certain discs on my 4K TV, which is just silly. Hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the Xbox man. Apparently, the future is AA batteries, forever and always. Yep. Um. All right. Let me close this out, this tab, and then we're gonna go into the the final story, which actually just happened today. So we're kind of we're kind of up on this. Um, oh, so. by the by the way, I kept leaning over because my computer might have broken while we were doing this. Oh no, Your computer <laughs> just randomly broke. Black screen, my uh, my razor like light up uh, keyboard and mouse not lighting up. So oh no, I'm not sure what's going on. It just my needs fans a, are on. It just needs a hard my case reboot. Is lit up. Eh, it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to me because my computer's awesome, but it happens. You know. It's my, that what wait, it's what was that you got? Is that is that that uh the Wi-Fi card you put in there jacked it all up? Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's that new Wi-Fi card for thirty bucks that I bought off Amazon. <sighs> I just had to get a little bit of the aqua there. Agua. Oh, uh, totally off topic. Really quick. Did you play any Half Life, Alex? No. Okay. I don't have my VR set up, and it's a pain in the ass to set up. Oh, okay. Right now, I'm in kind of like local streaming mode, so I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I've been doing like three hours a day, every day, except for the weekend. And Jesus. oh yeah, dude, it's been great. I've been getting like fifteen, twenty viewers too. Um, so it's Are pretty you time traveling. No, absolutely not. I am not a dirty okay. time traveler. <laughs> time travel cheaters. Um, but uh, but unfortunately, to do that, I've got like my side table here set up with a PS. No, I know I'm not playing these right now, but it's got my PS3, my PS4, my Switch. And like all my equipment, I need to move that if I want to play VR because I need to have enough playroom in here in my office. And it's okay. it's so tight. And I did hear you can play it while sitting in a chair and it's not so bad, but eh. I'm going to wait for it the to get modded. The giant bomb guys were saying don't play it while sitting in a chair. They're like, it's it's possible, but it's not ideal. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I heard too. And Jordan played it. He loved it. My friend Josh from Suggestive Gaming, he does not like it at all. Uh, so I don't no? know. It's, it seems to be, well, I mean, he's very critical on things, so it is possible that, okay. you know, but, but because like he hates, what is it that he, I think he hates Breath of the Wild too. And like, he's very vocal about what he hates, which is fine. Uh, it's his opinion. Um, but oftentimes he'll have a hot take like that. And I'm just going, huh, I could not disagree more. <laughs> it's just kind of, just kind of how it goes. But, um, but yeah, so, um, Nice. That's great. <laughs> well, well, John's got a little head crab, uh, little head crab, uh, beanie. I don't know what hat. the hell you even call it. Hat. It's, it's, it's a hat. It's a hat. It actually has the adjustable strap. Oh on the back. my God. It looks like, it looks like a butthole. <laughs> it's... I've, I've had this hat for like 15 years. If, uh, if you like Half-Life, if you ever played it, the head crabs are like the little, they look like alien monsters. They jump on your face, face huggers. They look kind of like that. John's got a brown hat that looks like it. So. Are you going to take that off before the next segment? <laughs> Should I? Yeah, why don't you? <laughs> All right, fine. God, we run a professional podcast here, John. This is God, it's terrible. All right. Just have me randomly wearing that for the next segment. Uh, I should just do a video of you wearing it. It'd be funny. 
Um, all right. So you ready for this, this, uh, this final story. And then we'll, um, we've got our game of the weeks picked out our pickup pile of the week and then that'll be it. And then we're shipping out. Yep. All right, here we go. So next up on the podcast today, and finally on the podcast today, we're talking about a story that just came out today. It's a Kotaku article by Jason Schreier, um, who I, I often say this, John, I'm, I'm hit or miss on. I think sometimes he does some really good journalistic work, and I think other times he just finds some disgruntled ex-employees that talk trash about a studio. And um, <laughs> But uh, he always uh, is, is, is certainly uh, breaking stories like these. Um, and so... The headline is that sources say despite huge sales, Borderlands 3 developers are getting stiffed on bonuses. So I read this whole article, and, and I got to tell you, I'm really disappointed in the headline because I don't think that's accurate. Now, it might be a quote from one of the uh, sources, one of the people working at Gearbox, but uh, I guess we'll find out why. But I think the term getting stiffed on bonuses implies that they were due a bonus that they did not get. Uh, as opposed to what actually happened, which we'll talk about here in the story. So the the story goes on to say, Borderlands 3 was a big sales success when it launched last fall, according to its publisher 2K, which described it as a billion-dollar global brand. That's why it was shocking to employees at Gearbox, the developer of the game, when the studio's CEO, Randy Pitchford, told them yesterday that they would not receive the significant royalty bonuses they expected. Employees at the studio will get small bonus checks, but nothing close to the tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands that many had expected. This account is based on conversations with six people close to Gearbox, all speaking anonymously because they were not authorized to talk about what happened. Some said it was crushing news that has upended their financial plans for the future. Uh, it goes on to say Gearbox, based in Frisco, Texas, offers its employees below wage salary or excuse me, below average salaries for the video game industry, according to more than a dozen current and former Gearbox staff who have spoken to Kotaku over the years. To make up for that, the studio offers unique something unique profit sharing royalties from all the developers games are split 60 40 with 60 percent going back into the company and the owners while 40% is distributed to employees in the form of quarterly bonuses. This system has been in place since Gearbox inception, and when the company has big hits, it can be very lucrative. When 2012's massive Borderlands 2 came out, many Gearbox workers made enough money to buy houses, a fact that the studio often touted while recruiting new employees. Now, it goes on to say a little bit more, but um, I guess the first thing I want to say is, in regards to the headline... I don't think it's fair to say they're getting stiffed on bonuses when they're not getting as big of a bonus as they thought they would. The bonuses are completely tied to the amount of money the game made. Now, you could argue that 2K and Gearbox are running around town talking about how amazing the game sold and how many copies they sold and how it's their biggest franchise to date. And that's certainly accurate, but that doesn't instantly equate to turn into profit. Because, according to this article, let me see if I can find it here. Um, according to the article, let's see here. Um, apparently, the game cost too much to make. One large factor was a technology swap midway through development from the Unreal Engine 3 to Unreal Engine 4, which added a great deal of time to the project. In addition, before Gearbox could receive any royalties from 2K, Borderlands 3 would have to recoup not just the game's entire budget, which was around $95 million, but also the budget for all the downloadable content for a sum closer to $140 million, thanks to a contract that the two companies had signed. Um, Pitchford apparently told Gearbox developers that if they weren't happy with the royalty system, they were welcome to quit. 
according to those who were in the meeting. He did not attribute the diminished bonuses to the coronavirus pandemic, which has led to economic uncertainty and pay cuts in many other fields. He did say that he hoped to get more money to employees as an advance from 2K on future royalties. Um, so <laughs> there's so much to unpack here. Go so ahead. You go like first. The crappy fly by night cash advance guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a magician. He's magic, baby. Um, so yeah. So that's the first thing I would say. And, and let me say this. Okay. Borderlands two was a huge success. Obviously people made some people. Okay. If you read this, some people made six figure bonuses, John, that's over a hundred thousand dollar bonus. That's crazy, but that's awesome. Yeah. And obviously people worked very hard on that game. They deserve to be compensated under the rules of the Gearbox uh, royalty program, which I'll tell you, that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's a gamble because you're taking less wages today and hoping for a bonus tomorrow. Now, when you get hired, if someone looks at you and says, hey, you know, I know we're paying like 20000 less year, uh, less a year than, than this company, but we have a royalty system. They don't we'll give you a bonus. You're going to make more money in bonuses. That happens all the time in the corporate world. Like there's companies that'll pay less hourly, pay more bonus or pay less hourly, pay more in vacation time, stuff like that. There's other benefits than just the paycheck when you go to work somewhere. So I could see if someone worked on Borderlands 2, right? And they got a hundred thousand dollar or more bonus that they would be disappointed if they didn't get that same bonus on Borderlands 3. Like, I get it. I, 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 if, if you made plans thinking that Borderlands 3 was going to sell X millions amount of copies and you were expecting the same bonus you got on Borderlands 2 and you don't get it, that's tough. I mean, like, like I understand that because those people obviously thought that bonus was coming. And everywhere you look, Borderlands 3 gets tons of positive press. Everybody's talking about uh, how amazing the game is. It sold a million, you know, a, a bajillion copies. 2K is saying it's their number one franchise. I mean... So all, you hear all these things and you equate that with monumental success, monumental exce- uh, success that you would then say translates into monumental bonuses for the staff, except that that doesn't happen because oftentimes, as we found out in this situation, the, the, to make this game, they had to pay way more money to make this game than they had in their previous games, which means that there's less profit, less, less actual made money, not that the total sales. And that's something too, that people always look at. They look at sales figures. And that's well and good, right? Like you can look at it and say, wow, the Borderlands 3 sold so well that it put 30 million, you know, 30, you know, I don't know, I'm just trying to pull a number on my ass here, but like, let's say, oh, it made 500, you know, it made a hundred million dollars. You're like, okay, cool. That's yeah. awesome. It made a hundred million in sales. But if it cost 95 million to make, then you had 5 million in profit. 60% goes to the company and to the executives. 40% goes to the employees. That 40% is then divided by all the number of employees. And then you get what's left, right? So I don't, again, I don't like the headline because it suggests that they were promised a bonus that they didn't get. Um, yeah. Which I, I feel like they did get a bonus. They got a bonus within the realm of the percentages that they've always gotten. And now if, if all of a sudden it had come out that Borderlands made all this money and they changed the rules right before the game released where then it's only 10% goes to the employees... I'd be like, yeah, they got stiffed because they were working so hard on this game expecting a 40% split. They got a 40% split. Just the split was less than they were hoping. And that sucks. I, I'm the first to say it. Like, that sucks. They worked really hard on that game. But here's what I will say. <laughs> I'll never take... I'll never miss an opportunity to take a shot at Randy Pitchford. 
<laughs> Let's just get that right. I think the guy is about as sleazy as they come. Uh, I did a story about a year or so ago where I talked about how he was being sued by a former lawyer at Gearbox who had accused him of taking a $12 million bonus in 2016. Taking that like out of essentially out of the 60% of the company. So it's not really like he did anything illegal, but it's hard to feel bad for him if he took $12 million out of the company and then he is telling people, hey, sorry, we can't pay you your bonuses for your 40% can't be as big, you know, because he himself got his bonus, even though his bonus did not come out of their bonus, right? Like it came out of apparently the 60% that goes to the company and to the executives and the owners and everything. So, um, so I don't know if I really have a question here, John, except that all I can really <laughs> say is that, and then I'll pass it to you to kind of get your thoughts on it. But what I can see happening here, what I think happened was that Randy Pitchford knew how much the game was costing. He knew what their anticipated sales were. And he knew that the amount of money they were going to make was going to be substantially less than Borderlands 2. He knew that the sales would be higher, but the cost to make the game was higher. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just didn't share that information with anyone else who was working on the game. You know, when people are in crunch mode and people are working hard, I'm sure he could have came out to them and he could have said months ago to them, hey, or, or a year ago, really, because it's been out, Borderlands 3 been out for a while now. You know, he could have went out there and said, hey, I just want to let you know, like, we, we should check our expectations for our bonuses because this game, while it's going to sell really well, it's it's a over budget. It's an expensive game to make. And so he could have done that or he could have set up something that said, hey, do you want to see what your potential bonus might be? And then that way the employee can make an educated decision and say, you know what? If, if I stay here and just crunch for six months on this and I pull out a $5,000 bonus, it's not worth it, you know, because then employees would have had the choice. But if the employees thought, oh, my God, get me through this six months and I'm looking at a new house, that, that'll get you through a lot of tough work, that, that light at the end yeah. of the tunnel. The carrot on the stick probably is more accurate. So I could totally see Randy Pitchford just being a, a douchebag about it and being like, well, you know, people can think what they want. I know it's going to be a lot less bonuses are going to be a lot smaller because of the structure of the cost of everything with the project, um, which is weird though, too, because the game's still selling. So if they're getting quarterly bonuses, yeah. they should still be getting quarterly bonuses. Like I almost wonder if they still get quarterly bonuses for like Borderlands two, because the game price still sells on steam, still making money. Right. So are they getting like, do you get your quarterly Borderlands two check every, every quarter? Um, so again, I've been talking this whole time and I don't really have a question for you except that what are your thoughts on how this whole situation went down. So you mentioned that, so this bonus structure has been in existence since the start of Gearbox, which I think correct Gearbox. One of, one of their first games was like opposing forces for half-life uh, back in like yes, the that is correct. late nineties. Um, so when Borderlands one came out, it makes sense that their bonus wouldn't be huge because they spent six years making that game. Right. They had to make the tools to make the game. They they had wild shifts in style uh, that they had to figure out. And so that game came out. It did really well, but it probably didn't bonus as well because they're paying for six years worth of development. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. When Borderlands 2 came out, they're not reinventing the wheel. They have the they have the game engine. They're on the same console. They they're just using the tools they've already created to make a better, newer version of the same game. 
So it makes sense that, and and then also the game is a sequel to a popular game. So everybody that bought the first game and loved it is probably going to buy yeah. it. And a- then you automatic. also have lots of people that are going to buy it again. Yeah, like an new, automatic new install purchases. base. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So it it makes sense that that Borderlands Two is going to have a huge, huge sales. Um, short of it being an absolute flop. Um, so yeah, it, it makes sense that their bonuses would be bigger on two. And then when you've got three, so you're, you're in a new console generation, you have to make the game visually more appealing. You're potentially building new tools. And so it makes sense to me that the budget would be higher. Do I think that that they're they've done scummy things yeah um the fact that they were unwilling to pay uh one of their the voice actor that did clap right. crap that was another story like yep, yep. yeah like they were unwilling to pay that guy to realize his role like come on like what is that like maybe five grand for him to 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 be the voice again you, you know what's like, funny that well, seems like small potatoes you know what's funny about that story though I, I i forget the details off the top of my head but it was something like gearbox claims that they offered him like the standard guild like voice actor guild rate or something like that for it um because when he originally did the voice he was <laughs> bless you he was already a he was already an employee at gearbox so it was basically considered right. like him just working he just took eight hours out of his day to go record dialogue <laughs> every couple weeks or whatever. So in this one, I want to say, I think he was asking for more than the guild average. Cause he was saying like, I, and I'm sure the guy was trying to use it as some leverage. He's like, Hey, I'm claptrap, you know, (laughs) like, like I'm a big deal in this game. You know, I'm a big part of the comic relief and, and everything. And, uh, you know, but I agree, like they could have just paid him a little bit more and made the guy happy, you know? And obviously the stuff with his Uh lawyer too, with, with Randy Pitchford and the, the lawyer from, Gearbox, like there is some weird stuff there going on too. Cause like the lawyer got accused of something and then he's accusing Randy Pitcher of stuff. Like it just feels like they're both scumbags and they're out trying to out scumbag yeah. each other and get each other in trouble. Now, as far as uh, Gearbox paying uh, less than other industries, less than industry standard, do you have any Glassdoor information on that at all? Uh, I don't, but I could probably look. Um, I'd be interested um, because if you think about it, so a lot of development is in California. Like, there's tons of studios out of uh, San Francisco and whatnot, LA, um, Silicon Valley. The cost of living there is crazy. So, Gearbox is based in Texas, which is far closer to Wisconsin for cost of living than California. Sure, I would so, agree with that. Yep. So, $80,000 a year is would be great like a a single person making 80 grand a year living here you could live pretty damn well on that if you're in california making 80 grand a year you are living in a one-bedroom apartment in poverty (laughs) right right so so i would say part of the part of the fact that they're not paying potentially industry standard is just the cost of living in the area where they're at so i wouldn't necessarily bag on them too much because there's there's probably a reason around it, um, and that's probably the the reason why they're based in Texas. Um, I think partially, actually, a lot of first person shooter developers were founded in Texas. Well, and software was there, and, and Austin, Texas, is known as like a, a big tech area as yeah. well. So, you know, it's uh, like 
it is a place that a lot of places use. Um, yeah, so I, because it is I would say cost of living is probably a big part of the reason why one one company may pay more than a different company. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm honestly, man, I'm tr- I'm trying to look this up, but like it, it's making me log in, so I'm trying to log in really quickly. I just right, logged yeah. in with Facebook. It's fine. Screw that. It's fine. Um, okay, so salaries. Let's see here. Um. Oh my god! And then it tells me to sign in again. Like I literally just signed in with Facebook. So this is stupid. Yeah, this, screw it. Don't worry. It's about a waste it. of time. Give me just one <laughs> second, because uh, now because Glassdoor is gonna be. Oh my god! Just I love stuff like this. Now I gotta edit this all out. It's annoying. Okay, never mind. I'm not doing it. I just went there. Now it's making me do it. Right. So okay, forget it. I don't know what's going on with Glassdoor right now. It sucks. Who cares? Um, but yeah, now that's now the the under average pay is something that was claimed by former and current employees. So I get that. And and I think that that's fair. I think that's the competitive business world. They can say, hey, we're going to pay you less. But like you were saying, they're in a less expensive area. So they can yeah. they, they, they can pay a little less and the people working there aren't going broke working there. And then with the added benefit of a bonus, because when people are saying they got six figure bonuses and that was enough to buy a house, you're not buying a house in LA for six figures. I mean, not, not like no. a, not like a nice one, probably, you know, um, right. like what you get here. Like I have a friend in, in New Jersey. He's in, well, he's in like Connecticut, I think now, but he was in New Jersey for a while. And he said like, he would tell me what he would pay for a house there with like a little bit of a yard, like 20 by 20 feet of yard. And it was like half a million. <laughs> and I'm like, Holy crap. yeah. And I'm like, my house was 160,000 and I've got like a football field for a yard. You know, but that's yeah, different. And, you got that's, a nice that's different. House. and I got a nicer, newer house. And he was probably, uh, he was probably looking at a 50, 60 year old house, you know, it's down the street somewhere in, in, in Jersey in the turn on the turnpike. Um, now gearbox did respond. Uh, Kotaku asked them for a comment and gearbox responded. Borderlands three represents an incredible value to gamers and an incredible achievement by the team at gearbox <laughs> software. Our studio is talent led and we believe strongly in everyone sharing and profitability. The talent at Gearbox enjoys participation in the upside of our games. To our knowledge, the most generous royalty bonus system in AAA. Since this program began, Gearbox talent has earned over $100 million in royalty bonuses above and beyond traditional compensation. In the most recent pay period, Gearbox talent enjoyed news that Borderlands 3 having earned revenue exceeding the largest investment ever made by the company into a single video game had officially become a profitable video game and that the talent at Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus system has now earned their first royalty bonus on that profit. Note they said first. Uh, Additionally, a forecast update was given to the talent at Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus to set expectations for the coming quarter. Gearbox is a private company that does not issue forward-looking statements to the public, but we do practice transparency within our own family. That was the quote. So they're basically saying... What you're hearing about was an, a forecast update given to the talented people so they knew what to expect for their bonuses. Um, and then they're basically trying to say that uh, that uh, they don't share, because they're a private company, they don't share information about their sales and things, but that they do within the within the studio and the employees working there and everything. So, now, yeah, go ahead. So... So, yeah, Randy Pitchford's a jackass um, and a, a great villain. But then there are other developers and publishers that have far worse deals than than what 2K and what Gearbox is offering. I mean, EA 
put many a company out of business, even in the Xbox 360 timeframe. Um, Spicy Horse that made uh, American McGee's Alice and Alice Madness Returns. Now they're still in business because American McGee's a wizard, but uh, they made nothing off of American McGee's Mad- Alice Madness Returns. They um, EA's contract basically said you need to sell this many units by a certain time or you make nothing. Yeah. And the same the same deal was also inked with um, 38 Studios uh, for Kingdoms of Amalur. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, and what a mess that whole thing is. Now, I love that game. I'm not sad that Kurt Schilling doesn't have a game company anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Roped in Todd McFarland and oh boy. Yeah, both of those studios got nothing from the development of those games. So 2K, obviously these Borderlands is a much more successful game, but it sounds like 2K just does a better job of taking care of their their studios in general. And then um, I don't know if you saw the news this week uh, of Epic Games opening up a publishing arm that they're willing to pay 100% of the development costs, the manpower until the game is released. And then they just need you to share 50% profit. Yep. And and the companies like, hold complete IP control. So right. like Remedy is going to work with them and any game that that Epic publishes, Remedy keeps complete control over. So that's you know, it's another really that's a really pro industry approach, absolutely. Yeah. I think that I think that is going to turn Epic into a powerhouse of a publisher. I think people are going to be beating down their door mm-hmm. to get their games published by Epic. Yeah. Well, and Epic has the kind of money to throw away on projects too. You know, like right. they they as long have as that, that Fortnite money. money keeps coming. Oh my god, which it is dwindling. But again, it's all about expectations. Like their expectations shouldn't be that they were going to make as much money as they did at the peak of Fortnite because they should have right. known that that was eventually going to die. Same with EA or uh, Activision Blizzard. Like they should have known that Warcraft money was going to stop. The World of Warcraft money was never going to be <laughs> 13, 14 million active subscribers every single month. It was never going to it was never going to maintain never but um but yeah so i guess i i it's not that i don't see a problem with it because i I feel like the company could have updated them on projections before the game was finished but if but but if they don't know how well the game was going to sell what if they update them or try to lower their expectations or something like they could have done more to inform the people but then on the flip side that all that is demoralizing and while I understand that the truth would be really nice, like I'd have a hard time telling a boss that he should give news to his employees in the last leg of development that's going to burn them out and kill their drive. I mean, that's just not a good right. business move. But ultimately, I think you should always be honest with people, especially creative types, because they typically want to finish the project they're working on. I mean, it's most of the people working there aren't going to walk out when they hear that their bonus might only be 20,000 instead of a hundred thousand. They're still going to finish. They want their 20 G's. Like they're still going to finish to get that, you know, (laughs) but again, we don't know how diminished the, the, uh, they are because if there's a second studio in Canada and now they're splitting that 40% with another 200 employees instead of the 200 where they are, or however many it is. I mean, that's like, not only are you not getting as much, but then you're splitting it in half again. So that's, I mean, it could be significantly less. That's actually probably a good point. Um, there's, there was probably far more hands working on Borderlands 3 than ever touched 2. 
Oh yeah. Well, they, they opened a whole second studio, uh, to like help yeah. out. So it's, it's, it's wild. Um, and let me just see if there's anything else I wanted to cover here. Um, so apparently, uh, yesterday's news combined with word of Randy Pitchford's hefty bonus has upset a number of Gearbox employees, some of whom say they expect an exodus in the near future. And there are those who made financial plans based on the expectations set by the company's management may now find themselves in tough spots. So people are arguing that they thought a fat bonus was coming. So they did some sort of lifestyle change, whether it was buying a new house or something. And then the bonus isn't coming. Now, I would argue that's kind of not the company's fault if you're expecting, like, never expect a bonus. Like, that's just good business, right? Never expect a bonus. It's never guaranteed. You never know when you're going to get it. You don't know that you're not going to do something that gets you terminated somehow and you're not going to have that. But, like, you don't know. Never, ever, ever bank on a bonus. Just appreciate the extra. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be disappointed because they should be. I totally get that. If you were expecting 100000 and you got, again, we don't even know what they got. Say you got 10000 Yeah, that sucks. That sucks really bad. Like, you're allowed to be disappointed. But uh, I, I do think that Gearbox could have done more to brace for this besides just telling people yesterday. I just feel like like that should have been known, especially because when they're recruiting people, I guarantee they're telling people right now, well, here's the thing. You're going to make less here, but it's cheaper to live in Texas. And people who worked on Borderlands 2, some made a hundred grand bonus. Of course, who doesn't hear that and go, oh yeah, I mean, I'll take this over the job in California that's paying me 10,000 more a year since it costs more than 10,000 a year to live there. You know? So, I mean, like, I know that's a recruiting tool. It's very similar to what like ITT tech was doing. (laughs) Like you'd go in there and they would tell you all the amazing things and all this amazing money you were going to make because they were just trying to get you to sign up, you know? And that is, and that does suck. And that is sleazy. And I wish companies wouldn't do that, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's unfortunately that's how they've chosen to to do it. So, um, but, uh, but we'll see. I want to know more about this. I really want to know, like, I'd love to see some of the numbers. Like, if someone got a six-figure bonus for Borderlands 2, I want to know what their bonus was on this game compared to it. Like, are we talking half? Because even half, like, yeah, that sucks if you went from 100000 to 50000 But a $50,000 bonus is incredible still. Yeah. I mean, that's that's wild. But anyway, I'll give the Somebody last word to you. I was hoping to buy a mountain of cocaine and just was like, what... You mean I can only buy an eight ball? This is awful. Now, now I can only buy a guy, hill of cocaine, not a mountain. That guy was Randy Pitchford. And that guy was Randy Pitchford. And it was magic. <laughs> he all made right. it all disappear. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he will. Um, all right. So that is it for our stories today. John, we are already at an hour and 49 minutes. So let's do our game of the week. You go ahead and start, and I'll follow up. And we'll just try to zip this thing along so we can get, get out of here, get cooking. All right. I got my game of the week behind me. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time is Jet Set Radio Future. Um, I love the soundtrack. Uh, and it's just fun as hell. The cell shaded graphics are amazing. Um, so yeah, my game of the week this week is Jet Set Radio Future for the original Xbox. Which unfortunately is not backwards compatible. So they have to bust out the old gigantic console to play it. Wait, I thought Jet Set was, but not the two-pack with Sega GT. Are you nope, sure? It is. I'm pretty sure. Are it's you not. sure? Are you sure, dude? Uh, you. I, Are maybe you sure, I'm dude? wrong, but Are you I sure, dude. I feel like it's not. <laughs> Let me take a look. You might be right because I feel like someone asked uh, me, and and I thought that I looked it up, and it was something like not the, or the two-pack is, but not the other, or something like that. I forget. Let's see what it's now. Says. I'm interested. I want to know. 
Jet Set Radio is backwards compatible. Radio Jet Set, is the first game. Jet Set no Jet Grind Radio is the first one. Uh, in the U.S., it was Jet Set. Or yeah, well. Is Jet Set Radio Future backwards compatible? I mean, all it says is Jet Set Radio, so it's possible that that's like a digital download. They're talking about the download of the first game that was released on Xbox 360. Ah, poopies. Okay, well, hey, good to know. Yep. Well, I'm sorry that the game's not backwards compatible for you. Yeah. Still amazing, though. <laughs> um, so my game of the week this week is a little RPG gem for the PS1 called Saga Frontier. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a Squaresoft RPG, which... During the PlayStation era, if you saw a white cover with a black spine and the word Squaresoft on it, you bought it because this game was going to be good. Um, This is one of their, I would say, least popular on PS1 RPGs and probably one of the not as good ones, like compared to your Final Fantasies and and all that sort of stuff. Um, I might have been thinking that while you said it. Yeah, but Saga (laughs) Frontier, I I like this one a lot. Uh, There's seven playable characters and each one has like a different story that's intertwining. You play through all seven of the characters' story, and then you have to play through all seven of the characters' like second part of their story, which actually I think this is where a lot of the inspiration for Octopath Traveler came from, um, which is a, an amazing game uh, as well, which I never finished, actually. I probably should have, but it was just a really good RPG for the Switch. Um, but Saga Frontier, really fun. This came out, I was in high school, and I, my older brother and his roommate had both been laid off of work. And they both had a copy of this game and they were playing it side by side in the living room, two TVs, two PlayStations, like just playing <laughs> through the game. And I would go over there and hang out with them and just watch them play it. It was just so good. Um, and then years later, I finally picked it up myself. But one I want to go through again, um, that's pretty good. But yeah, Saga Frontier for the PS1 is my game of the week. All right, John. So for pickup pile of the week, why don't you go ahead and go first since you've got like 8 million games, even though you're supposed to be in quarantine. You're still out and about <laughs> shopping for video games. <laughs> uh, well, I I did buy a bunch of these uh, either GameStop, door service, whatever. Oh, my um, goodness. Before quarantine or online. Curbside um, GameStop pickup. Yes. I got curb stomped. <laughs> um, so, actually, um, I told you about this uh, yes. deal, but one of my first ever uh buying something from facebook marketplace um there's a girl that had a whole bunch of n64 games um so i got gt64 uh and wipeout 64 both in box mm-hmm. and then blues brothers 2000 uh mickey speedway usa and top gear overdrive nice um which mickey speedway is actually a game made by rare yeah yep. um it's like the close yeah it's it's a good mario kart fill-in if you can't find mario kart anywhere right and uh my daughter loves mickey and also there's a new mickey tv show that's garbage uh, where he's a race car driver (laughs) um and so having mickey in a race car driving game i think she'll probably get a kick out of that at some point Mm. all right so moving on to switch games that i got uh poyo poyo tetris i actually ordered this yesterday and best buy shipped it that quick i'm surprised you didn't have it already or did you have the uh, ps4 have for, i have it for ps4 and i have the xbox import nice what uh how much was it on switch 20 bucks all right fair enough uh which you don't really see this game anymore so i figured what the hell all right um animal crossing 
uh, I actually canceled all of my GameStop reserves and bought Animal Crossing, um, partially because the garbage about uh, GameStop basically telling their store managers to like fight with the law. Uh, yeah, that, about that, staying open. So that was the final straw for you. Was when certain store like DMs and RDs were telling their store managers that if the police come by and say you're supposed to be shut down your non-essential business, that they were supposed to wave a piece of paper saying no, we are essential, and then defy the law. Yeah, which <laughs> uh, putting your store managers in that position is ridiculous. I agree, and like that's really something that if you want to have that fight, a regional a manager or a district manager should be having that conversation yep. not a store manager totally agree 120 percent. Um, also that stupidity got their business license pulled in pennsylvania you know i uh, haven't seen that confirmed though like that that came out uh someone said that but i i i was hearing rumors later that like that was not true like the, the, the like the 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 city was saying something like or the state was saying like no they didn't pull any licenses or something weird like uh, but in any case, it was still like that. That was floating around. I do remember hearing that. But, okay. But there I, was a printout on Reddit. Yeah, and that's that's where I that saw I it saw. too. And then as I went, like as I was digging down the rabbit hole, like on Twitter and following people's like links to this and that, like there were a lot of people trying to debunk it. So I don't know. It's possible okay. it was true though. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. But but yeah, that that garbage basically made me be like, all right, screw it. I'm not ordering. I'm not pre-ordering crap from GameStop anymore. I will buy stuff there if it's cheap. All right. Wow. You. But yeah, you I were able. I got Animal Crossing. Uh, I mainly bought it for my wife, who is playing the hell out of it and really enjoying it. Oh my god, I gotta get her friend um, code. So, yeah, so if you see me playing it, it's not me, it's my wife. Nice. I'm 70 hours into that game already. Good lord. Yeah. I mean, I'm jobless, um, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got Luigi, Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, which I've played a little bit so far. I got stuck almost immediately, and I put it down because i don't know how to get out of the damn parking garage wow a game meant for five-year-olds uh, stumping you john come on man yep <laughs> yep <laughs> um i got a switch game called into the dead 2 that sounds amazing which is i've never seen it before and it was at a local secondhand store um across from the mall and it's got content from night of the living dead and ghostbusters in it so i was like what the hell is this what it it is a first-person, endless runner shooter. Oh, so you are running forward game. and then moving. Yeah, it's a it's a mobile game uh, with the microtransactions pulled out of it. Oh, okay. Um, well, at least they're pulled out. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's okay. Uh, I've had some fun with it. Um, in order to get to the Night of the Living Dead and Ghostbusters content, though, it's like seventy levels in. <laughs> So I don't know if I'll ever see that content. <laughs> nice. Um, I picked up my friend Pedro for um, Switch, uh, the Devolver digital game. It was on sale at uh, at Walmart for 20 bucks. I've wanted a copy of this. Nice. I love the banana on the cover. I, I still haven't played it, but I heard it's really fun. But then I also heard it's kind of like the, the gimmick wears off kind of fast, but I don't know. It looks bit. awesome. It looks awesome it, to me. It reminds me a little bit of a side hotline Miami. Mm, interesting. Well, did you play, did you play Katana zero? I have not yet. That's I've also, heard good things about it, it's very good. I played all the way through it. It's very similar as well. I'd say it's like a 2d hotline Miami. So, okay. And then my last switch game, I got 
uh, Roman Rumble in Las Vegas, asterisk and obelisk XXL2. Uh, so this game is a great uh, 3D platformer, and also it is chocked full of references to other video games uh, in great ways. Like in the first level, there is a reference, um, basically a chariot version of Sly Cooper's van is in the game, uh, complete with the Sly Cooper logos on the side of it. Um, Interesting. There is, in the background, um, the tire level from Earthworm Jim, where you're bouncing on all the tires in the beginning of the game. There's a scene of that. Um, there's a wall that you have to blow up to get to the next part of the, the game, and the wall is made of colored Tetris bricks. Mm. And then the bomb that you use to blow up the wall is Bomberman's head. So it's awesome. It's just so full of reference. And that's that's in like the first two levels. So I'm excited to play more of that game and see what else they've stuffed into it. Because it's, yeah. it's just really fun. Make sure you go out and buy it fast before it gets pulled off the shelves for copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now on to my Xbox One. Jesus, game. man. Are you Crap serious? It's like 10, like yep. 12 games today. All right, go ahead. Uh, Night's Quest. Uh, which I got really cheap at Walmart. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 I picked up at uh, at GameStop on sale. Um, that Spawn DLC makes me want to buy it. They they really look like they did that character perfect um, with all the extra like the special moves and the uh, the alternate costumes they've got are awesome. Uh, Tropico Six, which was another. Sale at GameStop. Didn't you just buy like Tropico Five? Wasn't yes, that one of your? It's actually <laughs> right there. There's like a million Tropico <laughs> games. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Um, Jagged Alliance Rage, which uh, I got this at. I've, I've never actually seen this in stores. Um, it was at on Best Buy's website for twenty bucks, so I got that. And then my final game for the last two weeks, uh, Doom Eternal. Um, which is getting great reviews, and I'm not really digging. Mm. Did we talk um, about this already? Did you explain why no. you didn't like it? No, okay. Go ahead. So it, it's very much arena. Like, you're, they lock you into arenas, and they have you fight, and everything's dead, and then they unlock the door and let you go to the next arena where you fight the enemies until they're Interesting. dead. So it, it just feels very walled off, and... The original Doom games, you could blaze through the whole game and kill almost nothing and just go straight to the the keys and the yep. exit door. Uh, and like they would show you the end of the level and they would be like, par time, one minute. And you'd be like, it took me 20 minutes. How did somebody beat this in one minute? Yeah. <laughs> and they, they beat it by just knowing where to go and, yeah. and ignoring everything. So it annoys me that they really lock you into an area. And also... It's really hard. Hmm. Like a lot of the new enemies or the old enemies have new specific ways that you have to kill them. And so the, um, the spider demon, I forget what his name is, arachnid, whatever you have to shoot this tail that it's got. That's like firing plasma rifle rounds at you. Okay. Uh, and if you don't destroy that, he's going to kick your butt. And then once you kill that tail, then you can start shooting its fleshy head. 
Um, and almost every enemy has that style, like take, take this part of my body off before you can actually truly, okay. truly okay. kill me. Thing. So almost like they're trying so, to add a strategy element to killing the guys when doom was just all about grabbing a shotgun and blasting everything apart. Right. Yeah. And like the, the, the first like two levels, they only give you the shotgun. So it's like, why can't I have more weapons, please? Mm. Um, and then like the, the chainsaw has, has gas. So you can only use it at certain times. Like, just let me use the damn that, That's that's funny because you're not. I, the reason I asked if we had talked about this was because I had someone. I must. It must have been a Twitter thread or something I was reading. But basically, yeah, it was something very similar to how much they love Doom 2016 and how this one just they just don't like it. And I've talked to people that love it too. But you know, like, that's not the first. You're not the first person I've heard complain that it's not what they were expecting. Yeah, and I, well, like I love, love, love Doom. Doom 1, Doom 2, Quake, Quake 2, Quake 3. Like, I love id Software games, so it's kind of, like, I'm going to give it more of a chance, but it's it's a little annoying that I, I feel like it's just, they really want you to play it a very specific way. Yeah, and speaking of which, Doom 1 and 2 are both on sale right now on the PlayStation Network for PS4. I think they're like $3 each, so I picked them up. Yep, I did the same thing. They're awesome. Um, they still hold up 25 years later. Yeah, they do. Still fun. Still a blast. Um, all right, so I've got only three games in my pickup pile. Um, and really, that's two of them I picked up when I was in Ireland month in, <laughs> last October, but I had to recase them, so I had them at the store. And okay. as I'm sure you know, PAL, PS1... And Japanese PS1 games have really weird, wacky cases. And so if you get yeah, like a busted bigger. corner, yeah, they're very hard to replace and find nice and new. So, but first up, I also bought Animal Crossing on the Switch. And like I told you earlier, I am, after today, I'm probably closer to about 70 hours in, 70 to 75 hours into the game. Uh, and I'm loving it. I just think it's the perfect game for right now. It's just, it's, it's happy, fun, stress, stressless, and you just have fun with it. And it just melts time away. Like, uh, like today... Uh, I was streaming it. I've been streaming this every day except the weekends. And I streamed it today and I, I wanted to get a golden axe. And the only way to get the golden axe recipe is you have to break a hundred axes. So <laughs> I, I went to a remote island. I went to a random island. I, I And I spent my Nook miles, which it's a hundred to buy an axe. And I bought like 15 axes. And I went to a tree and just started whacking on it 40 times until it breaks. And I did that with every single axe. And then I went back and bought 15 more, broke 15 more, went back, broke 15 more. It took about an hour. But while I was doing it, I was streaming and I was, uh, you know, I was like talking to the chat and I was like, well, do you guys want to hear a story or something? I mean, I can, t- I can talk to you and this is mindless. So I can talk to you guys about something. And the chat voted on, uh, me telling the story of how I opened the store. And like how I, okay. so I even went into detail about how I ultimately left GameStop, which was, you know, with me freaking out on that conference call and like yelling at Sean and everything. <laughs> um, and, uh, yelling at my boss, not a great, uh, not a great corporate move, by the way, if you're looking to get promoted, not the best way by yelling at your boss, just FYI. Um, so I told that story and then I, and then they asked like the story of how I met Jenny and I talked about that, which was really great. Um, but the point is, is just that I'm just really loving the game and I'm just absorbed into it. And I want to do everything in it. Um, right now, there's a really obnoxious Easter event going on for the next 12 days. And it <laughs> it reduces the spawns of fish and of uh, other things because it wants to spawn these Easter eggs that are part of the hunt. And I'm like, okay. I wish I could turn this shit off. Like, I, I want to just, I, I need I need to get fish because I need money. 
I need money bad. Like I got to pay off my house. I just, I just got the upstairs upgrade. It's 1.2 million is how much this upgrade costs. So I got to chop that down. But anyway, picked up animal crossing on the switch, did, loving the game. Did you catch the string fish before it was unavailable? I did. I did. I actually streamed it. Okay. I farmed bait for like two hours, went up there and caught it in five minutes. <laughs> it, was, um, it was hilarious. So I'll have to relay this to Nicole, but, uh, are you and Jenny both playing it on different islands? Yes, on different on different consoles too. What uh, what fruit do each of you have? So my base fruit is peach, and Jenny's base fruit is orange. Okay. But I have oh, every but I have every fruit that. in my village. Like I've gotten every tree, and I'm growing every fruit. So if oh, she okay. ever needs something, like she could she could take some fruit. I just have to I have to finish growing my oranges and my cherries. The apples are gonna bloom tomorrow, I think, and then I've got I I I, I, uh, I made just a forest of pear trees because that was the first fruit that I came upon that wasn't my base island fruit. So okay. I I uprooted like every pear tree the two times I found them, and so I have like thirty pear trees. So it's like a pear grove that every time they bloom, I make like sixty thousand dollars. Jeez, yeah, it's pretty um, awesome. The funny thing is, I I know nothing about that game for the most part. Um, because I'm not playing it. So it's it's the weird instance of Nicole knows far more about a video game than I That's And I, I'm trying to, like, I'm honestly trying to not play it because I don't want to, like, get to the point where I'm like, you're doing it wrong. You need to do this to be better. Oh, right, so, right. Yeah, I just um, want her to enjoy it. Nice. Um, all right. Sorry, my cat's trying to climb up on my lap. You just go down there for a bit. Okay. Yeah, so what are those PS1 games? So these PS1 games, first up is a game that is exclusive, and I think these are both exclusive because I was looking these up, but this one I know for sure is exclusive to Europe. It's an ARP, it's it's a it's a game called Tunguska, Legend of Faith. Okay. Um, you join Jack Riley on his journey through another dimension as he struggles to overcome the forces of darkness and unlock the secrets of the castle under the Order of Tunguska. Uh, the action adventure and riddles will draw you inside this extraordinary gaming experience. And then on the back, it's also in Italian and in German. So that's pretty okay. radical. Um, and so I picked that up because it was exclusive. Uh, and it was actually published in Europe by Take Two, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, and then I picked up a copy of a game called Strike Force Hydra, and this is a uh, vertical shmup. But it it, look, okay, it reminds think... me of something like you know, you know, nineteen forty three or whatever. Um, yeah. But it looks almost like you're a boat. You're like the you're like a hover boat almost. So you're on the water and you're going back and forth blowing stuff up. But it's just a vertical shmup. I think this one was five euro, and I think Tunguska was like seven euro. So it was it was, they were really cheap games too. Um. But yeah, yeah. So those that's my whole pickup pile, man. It was, it was a, it was a. The last couple of weeks have been have been very light. When I'm not at the store, I'm not picking up anything cool. So that uh, that second game was one that I wanted when I saw it at your store on the <laughs> back counter. That's right. None so for you, uh, what have you been playing uh, besides just, uh, Animal Animal Crossing. just Animal Crossing? Just Animal Crossing. Just Animal Crossing. Just Animal Crossing. I've been playing a hell of a lot of uh, Burnout Paradise for Xbox One. Interesting. I hate Burnout Paradise. I just, I, I know it sounds crazy. I just hate it. I hate open world racing games. I think it, I think it, you really miss out on something when you're like free roaming looking for races. And I know they fixed it eventually, but the idea that you would take a race and you couldn't restart it and go back to they the starting point, that. they fixed that thankfully, but originally you couldn't. <laughs> so you do a race, take you halfway across the city and then you lose and you're like, Oh, I want to replay that race. 
I gotta drive all the way back. I think they only. I I think when they released that on Xbox One and PS4, they didn't put that version that's patched onto the disc because it's not fixed on the Xbox One. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm loving that game, so I'm playing that a lot. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna play Resident Evil Three. Probably start to finish on stream on Friday because that game I've heard is only four to six hours long. Yeah, I um, heard that. I'm I'm interested to pick that up, but um, I think I'll wait for it to go on sale because it sounds like it's so damn short. Yeah, that really sucks. I mean, I know that Resident Evil 3 was a shorter game, but it's hard coming off a of Resident Evil 2 remake being like dynamite and then going to this game just being half the length but the same price. It's weird to me, you know? Plus, we talked about that too, and like Nemesis is just going to be a pain in the ass the whole time. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't play the demo, but I talked to Jordan who played the demo, and he said that he was really enjoying it until Nemesis shows up. And then he said nothing was fun because Nemesis just won't leave you alone ever. And I'm just like, I don't know, that sucks. I'm really going to be disappointed in that. I've listened to a lot of reviews of it from different people, and apparently Nemesis only, only is interesting in the beginning of the game. Um, because like he behaves differently and new in the beginning of the game. And then later in the game, the, the interactions with nemesis are very much straight out of the PlayStation one game. So it's, it may not be as annoying as okay. you're going to expect. Because that was my main issue with Resident Evil two with, cause they made Mr. X act more like nemesis did in Resident Evil three. Yep. And, and I hated that because, and I know that the minimap told you any items that were on the map, if you'd been in that room. But I wanted to explore the rooms at my own nice pace. And and there was so much beautiful, like, stuff to look at in that game and such really well-done environments. And I got to run past everything because all you hear is the foot stomping and you know the dipshit's, like, one doorway, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, I just want to enjoy this. Let me just enjoy the game. They took one of my favorite games of all time, which is Resident Evil 2, and made it a game I really didn't want to play. Yeah. Um, by adding Mr. X in it like that. I feel I, like we've had this I, conversation before. Possibly. <laughs> I think we I have. didn't get through it. I, I downloaded the cheats, so that way I had infinite ammo and infinite rockets and stuff. And so every time he would show up, I'd just rocket him in the face. Which, let me just tell uh, so you, if, I love that game, but Capcom selling the cheats separately as DLC is bonkers. Like, the fact that they're selling us cheats, man. What what a world we've 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 become. Well, you can unlock all those cheats uh, by playing the game. So you beat the game in under like three hours and you got unlimited rocket launcher. Yeah. This just allowed you to get them immediately. So I didn't mind. I look at it this way. I don't have time to, to play through that game and beat it in under three hours. So I like that I can get that unlock without having to do that. Nice. And that's fair. And I appreciate And I can respect that. So, um, But with that being said, that is all we had for the podcast today. Um thank you everybody for listening sorry we didn't get you one last week but hey we got you a two hour and 15 minute one this week so now you got a couple now you got a couple hours worth of choke down um we should be back <laughs> next week um i never know with this stuff going on because if something comes up or you know it's always possible we may not get out but for now john and i are planning on still recording every wednesday night probably if that works for you still john yep. and uh, we got our setup figured out here and if there's any audio hiccups i do apologize it's just it's totally different setup now john's remote i'm remote trying to capture his video his audio he's using his phone it's 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 a wild setup but we're trying to make it work so um thank you though everybody for listening and watching you follow me on twitter at game trade greg and of course subscribe to us on youtube at youtube.com slash drop rate or just search drop rate and look for the yellow and gray dr logo and of course like you can i said also follow me yes on twitter at 
dryer combo, and, and I'm going to show a picture of my really jank setup, which is pretty damn funny. It is pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, follow John at dryer combo, and then uh, uh, lastly, I will say, um, you know, uh, if follow me on Twitch if you if you want to. I've been streaming every day between like it's usually around 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And uh, I've been streaming Animal Crossing mostly, but I'm going to play, I, I think I'm going to do a lot of Final Fantasy VII. When it comes out, I might stream the whole game, like just start to finish, just slam through that game. Um, I, I might, I might. Plus I heard, I saw the trophy list and apparently one of the trophies is beat the game on hard mode, which is really, I hate when they do stuff like that. I just, <laughs> trophies like that just piss me off. So I might start the game on hard mode too and just, just go nuts on it. Um because it's got pretty forgiving save points. So if you die, it's not like you don't, it's not like in the old days where if you died, you had to go back to your last save points. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's a twitch.tv slash the drop rate. Or if you just search the drop rate, you'll see the yellow and gray DR logo and you'll see. And like I said, I've been doing that every day of the week. So Monday through Friday, 2 PM to 5 PM this Friday, I may not be on, but for sure Monday through Thursday, cause I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday already. And I'm gonna do tomorrow. So, um, but yeah, so thank you everybody again. Thank you, John, for making it work. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other from a reasonably six-foot distance. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Good to be back.